Hey everybody, and welcome to Player vs. Plot, the podcast where we take video game stories seriously. I'm Sterling, and for today's season finale episode of Player vs. Plot, we have... Oh, I'm Lindsay. I, it's, it is harder to introduce yourself with no lead up, but I am, I'm pretty good at just talking and saying nonsense. It's kind of my trait. It's what makes me a valuable member of this podcast. So don't kick me off between now and season three. All right. And also with us. <laughs> yes. Is- only for the finale with you is Chris. I was about to say my last name. I like like the idea that we spend every intro trying to convince each other of why we're a valuable member of the podcast. Well, we already had a narrow escape from firing me. Okay. (laughs) Remember that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It was like episode like two or something. Let's build this lore. (laughs) I think think now Lindsay's on the block. Uh Uh-oh. I never defend myself because I'm flawless. (laughs) Crickets. Lindsay, the person who's introduced the show every episode so far is now on the chopping block. And the the plot of this episode is, will Lindsay prove herself popular enough with the fans to be voted back in for season three? Yes. I like, oh, like a reality podcast. Yes. I feel like that already exists. I feel like I've stumbled into an idea that definitely already exists. (laughs) The Bachelorette, but for your ears. Yeah. So, as I was saying earlier, today's season finale is covering Chrono Trigger, one of Chris's favorite games of all time. Yeah, I would say that's like my top 20. Top 20. I would, say. I would right. say that's true of most people I've ever met who play video games. Cool. They're like, favorite game. I guess Chrono Trigger would probably be up there somewhere. It's like, were terms you, of were like you born RPGs in the 90s or were you, were you playing games in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Okay. Chrono Trigger's on your You're list. Probably, yeah. If you had a Super Nintendo and you liked RPGs, you probably played Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana. Yep. Ooh. I only played Final Fantasy II for the American. Was, another game a lot of people played. If I had to say my favorite RPGs, this would be one of them. Fallout 1, Suikoden 2, Final Fantasy 7. I'd say this is like in that region. This is interesting. Not to jump on this train of thought too soon, but... A lot of the other games you mentioned are famously part of a franchise that has gained a lot of numbers. Yeah. And the same cannot be said of Chrono Trigger. No, Chrono Trigger only, is a flash in the pan. Chrono Trigger is like, I mean, first of all, we should probably address like, how does this game get made? Yes. Because this was a game made mostly by Final Fantasy people. But the scenario writer, which is kind of like the main writer on a video game, was the creator and head writer of Dragon Quest. And the so art designer was Akira Toriyama. Also from Dragon Quest. Yes, yeah. so, and Dragon Ball. And Dragon Ball, yeah. All the dragon See, things. Yeah, and like Dragon Quest really didn't come into my mind or frame of reference or anywhere until, I don't know, 2008 with the DS version. Oh, yeah, Dragon Quest Nine, And... Up until then, I always saw Chrono Cross as, oh, yeah, it's the Dragon Ball Z game. Chrono Cross Chrono Chrono Trigger? Chrono Trigger. Did I I say Cross? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess it's not a flash in the pan anymore. (laughs) I want Sterling to come out as preferring Chrono Cross over Chrono Trigger. Whoa. (laughs) I wouldn't even be mad. I would just want to explore that. (laughs) You'd be interested. Yeah. When people say that they really like Chrono Cross, I don't like Chrono Cross, but... And Chrono Cross is a sequel to Sequel to Chrono Trigger that we won't really be discussing... Um, Or acknowledging its existence, except for like this moment. Even as I would (laughs) call myself someone who doesn't like Chrono Cross, but is a frequent apologist because it has so (laughs) many cool ideas in it. But if someone told me that they loved Chrono Cross, I'd be like, okay, I want to know more. It's like a unicorn. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I got to figure this out. So we mentioned the connection to Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. I think it's important. I don't know if we know this off the top of our heads, but what Dragon Quest were they on at this point in time and what Final Fantasy? Ooh. So like, I think is it Final Fantasy VI was the last yeah. one to come out before Chrono Trigger? Yes. And I think they may have even already released Dragon Quest VI at that okay. point. I think. So those franchises were well on their way. And these Mm -hmm. creators kind of combined their powers, Super Friends style. And you can kind of see, like, there's elements of that in this game where I think you guys could tell that the tone of this game is lighter than many Final Fantasy games. And, like, well, (laughs) the overtones of this game are lighter than many Final Fantasy games. The plot is lighter. The characters are lighter. Then there's that one scene, and then it's lighter. (laughs) (laughs) But but there's the hint of existential dread that they throw in there, similar to a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, I probably have a, a different view of this because... I haven't played any Final Fantasy games six or down. Mm-hmm. I am working my way through the original Final Fantasy seven, which, yeah. is, which very, is a dark game. It is going out of its way to be like, I'm angsty and not your father's Final Fantasy. I don't know. Which I don't know what, that is, how it compares. A lot of that is also true of six. Okay. Six is a pretty dark game. Okay. So it's interesting that this goes such a different direction where it does yeah. want to appeal to the inner child or directly to the outer child yeah. as well and then have sort of darker. It's it's like a, we'll we'll talk about that when it comes up, but it's kind of like I would say the plot is more like an early Dragon Quest game where it's like light adventure shonen manga kind of thing and you have a glimpse of something really messed up. And like dark, but then you turn away from that and it's up to the player if they want to really think about that any more than they have to. (laughs) And we do. And we will, boy. It's what this podcast is all about. (laughs) So right off the bat, because you guys play this, well, Sterling played a little bit of this before too, but there's something like kind of different about this game compared to other games of its time. Well, a lot of little things that are different. Okay. And what what year was Chrono Trigger? Chrono Trigger came, came out in 1995 if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 1995. And it was awesome. (laughs) I mean, at the time that it came out, RPGs were getting more complex. Character development uh, was becoming a bigger deal. Character customization was becoming a bigger deal. And Chrono Trigger kind of throws a lot of that away and says, we're just going to focus on making every scene you see in the game look really nice, have really good aesthetics, and all of the features of this game will be most invisible to you if you haven't already played a lot of games. So like things that you might take for granted. This kind of came up because I showed my wife this game a few years back and all of the major advancements of this game were lost on her because right. why wouldn't a game work that way? So like all the enemies that you see that are would normally be random battles in another game, they're just on the screen. Uh, when you fight an enemy, you fight them on the same screen. Most games did not do that. Most games still don't do that. They do them Most all like JRPGs. Green, like, yes, the like Japanese shimmers, like, And then it's like a different like dun, dun, exactly. dun, 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 dun. So yeah. you're describing Pokemon. Well, it's Pokemon. It's Final <laughs> Fantasy. Like up most until, games. Yeah, yeah, it's most yeah. games. You get that new screen. So that was really different. The idea that like you could team up with other people. I think only Fantasy Star 4 was doing that at the time. Uh, the idea that like where the enemy was on the battlefield affected what abilities you could use. These were things that I think Chrono Trigger did that was different, but also like 
made it sense. wasn't it wasn't drawing sense like or sorry it wasn't drawing attention to it it was just doing like it was you might think this is a natural advancement yeah, in how a, we approach a games. natural progression from where it was it's like oh we've got them on the screen you can just choose but now where they are on the screen matters right. so and it just was a really cool way for the game to develop in that direction and i'm Glad it, and a little sad that more I, games don't do that now. Am I right in th- remembering that this is on the tail end of yes. the SNES? It's kind of the swan song the game. The 64 came out the year after. Okay. Yep. So it's also kind of reaching the pinnacle of, I'm going to show you everything this console can yeah. do. And in fact, I think this, along with a few other games that came out, were on one of the bigger cartridges for the Super Nintendo. Ooh. So. They had the smaller sized cartridges near the beginning of the system, so they couldn't hold as much information. I don't remember the exact numbers. you're right. Like on cartridge-based systems, the type of cartridge you used was basically like determining what kind of game you could. Right. It's like having a USB stick with like 64 kilobytes versus 124. Yeah. Or 20, yeah, And and sometimes games (laughs) even shipped with their own... extra hardware on them like Star Fox came with an extra processor yeah. whoa I didn't know that that's yeah. cool that's why you ever look at like an old NES game and then look at like one of the last NES games and be like how what, what did they <laughs> how are do things? that's a good point that's like comparing the cartridges like, literally came with more like like a like a RAM manager right. or a processor or, on them similarly to Donkey Kong Country 60 or Donkey Kong 64 it came with the expansion pack which had to go in the top of your your super or your Nintendo 64 so it could handle everything yeah. that game was trying to do. Some That was the thing, yeah. Like the Sega Genesis had a thing kind of like that. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Speaking as one of the Genesis girls out there, I will say I know you like, brought up like the aesthetics of the game and how they were wanted to take their time with how it looks and make it look really cool. The sprites are adorable in this. The sprite work I would in this say game. this is definitely some of my favorite sprite work on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I'm not always a fan of this, the art designer. Akira Toriyama? Yeah. like Because well, everybody looks like Bulma or Trunks or Goku <laughs> or Vegeta. Or, well, I, I wasn't even a big Dragon Ball fan at any like time in my life. I like that you just people who look the same. Yes. <laughs> well, like, like, the same character, the same character. <laughs> Gohan. I mean, like Piccolo, sure, looks a little Everyone different. Everyone looks just like Gohan and Yamcha <laughs> and Shin and Goku. And Yajirobe. <laughs> no, he actually does look different. And I, poire. <laughs> okay, I just now. think like when I see a video game with that art design, like even the newest Dragon Quest, I was like, do I really want to sit through this art? There's always like a mm-hmm. buy-in for me where I have to get over that. This game. Yeah. The sprites the, are a little better adapted to that. Yes. Sprites, like it, it has. And the way they design their reactions, I think, leans into that design. Like they're very expressive. They're very animated, which I also think lends itself to maybe some of the childish aspects of the game. And I mean mm-hmm. that in a good like way. Like a Saturday morning cartoon element. Yeah. Definitely. Like Looney Tunes-esque reactions on some of them. Yeah. That was like that was like kind of a thing at the time where every sprite sheet, like you had room for the walking and their battle animations. And then like maybe you had a few spots left for something else. Right. And this had a lot of something else in there. Yeah. Which is why there's a whole dance mini game where you can see all the sprites. <laughs> It's like emoting, pre-emoting. So we've talked a lot about the game already, but we haven't really delved into what is it about or anything like that. So if you only looked at commercials and all that, like the marketing material, all you would know is that this is a game about kids who go time traveling and somehow save the world. That's like kind of the only premise you really have to go off of. But we can 
Let's get into the plot summary. Yeah, the meat of it. Yeah. Time travel adventure extravaganza. So the game, obviously, there's going to be a bunch of different time periods that we have to talk about as we go through it. So it's going to start in the quote unquote present, but the present is 1000 AD. Yeah. What does 1000 AD look like to you? In the game, or yeah. if I have to think about actual 1000 No, no, no. no. Like, how would you describe to the audience, wh- what's the general sense of 1000 AD? Because it is definitely not what we think of as 1000 no. AD in reality, right? Yeah. yeah I, I see it more maybe 1600 to 1800s Europe, okay. yeah, kind of. I see that. Not quite feudal anymore, but kind of on the up and up. You've got fairs and festivals that have, you know, blacksmiths and magic and whatever, but the magic isn't really Yeah, that's not what there. makes it 1600s. <laughs> it's like <laughs> magic. Well, Just I was like, like the Elizabethan guy, Europe. Like the clone guy who's like... Yes. I mean, we can definitely say like there's a lot of purposeful anachronisms to make this look like a kingdom, but the most recognizable kind of world to a player in 1995 that they can make it. Yeah. Short of having a TV. Yes. It's very, it's not, I wouldn't quite say steampunk, but it has that steampunk. There is literally steam. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And stuff where it's like, yeah, there's technology and it works in this kind of old world, but don't think about what that means and why it's only this specific kind of technology. Right. And it is the 1600s, the 1800s, but you have one character from this time period who is like a Nikola Tesla, who's way ahead of their time. And this and, is who? And that's Luca, your friend. She looks like Bulma from Dragon Ball Z with pink hair yeah. instead of blue hair. You can visit her house at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and she yeah. has machinery in there. And you're like, what? What? Why isn't everybody coming to <laughs> yeah, her? Why isn't true. she the most successful person in this planet? Yeah. On Earth, This yeah. game actually has an interesting opening because most games at the time were saying, like, we got to start on action, right? And, like, have a big thing happening at the beginning to get you hooked. This game... Because there's no encounters on the world map, you can just kind of walk around your neighborhood. And yeah. Go to Luca's house. She's not there, but you can explore. You go to the millennial fair that's happening and play fair games. Yeah. It takes the, the choice of having you explore the peaceful side of your everyday life. I think that leans into what arguably we'll say the main character, Chrono, wants in my game, he was named Lynn, but we'll call him Chrono. Okay. So, what- Chrono, right? There's no H. Sorry, Chrono. Are you guys talking about sex? Chrono Chris. <laughs> <laughs> the character name. That way you named him. That makes that sense. That was his name. That makes oh, sense. Oh, man. I named With him extra part. X's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that in our in our versions of this, I'm like, I named him after me. And Sterling and Chris are like, we named him Dirty Thing. <laughs> I didn't actually name him. I didn't name him that. I just called him Chrono. Chrono. So are we going to call him Lynn, ass butt sex, Chrono, <laughs> or Sekiro? Sekiro. <laughs> Sekiro is the answer. All right. Well, I think what for... Are the- we doing Chrono or Chrono? Now I don't know which is I'm which. Chrono. I don't know. Whatever. Chrono. I think the listener will understand us either Chrono. way. We go. Either way. So Chrono, like cool little redheaded generic Dragon Ball esque protagonist, dressed in like a gi. Yeah. Yes. Naturally, I think that what he wants is adventure. So it's very on point that the game starts with him obviously not having that. With you exploring the minutia of his everyday life 
And there is something yeah. exciting happening. Like you, you mentioned, you brought up the Millennium Festival. Mm-hmm. But I almost read that as like when my town growing up would have its yeah. like town fair once a year. And it's like, yeah, we paid some random like people to put up. saying, here's the plot. There's yes. a festival. <laughs> yes. And it's like, this is our podunk yearly thing. And Chrono's like, great, another parade. And I, I feel like <laughs> it, it's important for this game to do it because this game wants you to have an idea of what is normalcy that you can kind of linger in and then approach the plot at your convenience. That's like a major element of yeah. the pacing of this game. Stepping in and out of the fantasy or the escapism. Yeah. They really make escapism more tangible. Yeah. Time travel game. is literally an escape. Yeah. Yeah. So as Chrono, you kind of explore the town. You can go to, like we said, Luca's house. You can like go to the tavern, like all that kind of stuff. But really, you want to go to the fair and there's cute little balloons. And someone randomly explains to you like, oh, welcome to the fair. Before you come in, let me tell you all of the history of why this fair happens, which I love the idea that we could do that with any event ever. Like anytime you go to a Christmas party, someone has to quiz you on what you know about Christmas or something like that. I think that all the time, like you go to the Irish festival and you're like, someone, who's the person I talk to who just tells me every, all the context of this? It's me. And I tell you. (laughs) Are you just standing there? I'm like, back and forth. I'm like, here are your tokens. Go drink some beer. (laughs) (laughs) What are the origins of this? Drinking <laughs> beer, I feel like, is, is it. Yeah, so Chrono's there, and they tell he learns that the Millennial Festival is celebrating... The Millennial Fair. Millennial Fail. Fair. I almost called the Millennial wow. Fail. <laughs> Got your opinion on 1018. <laughs> right? Wow. So the Millennial Fair is celebrating an anniversary of the end of a war. I'm going to quiz you. Do you guys remember the war... The war with the demon lord 400 years before that? 400 years before, and the queen back then had been abducted, and they made her a bell, and you hear the bell all throughout the town, and it's awesome, and they're going to ring it here, and it's super cool, and as you're, you know, exploring the fair... Block, you run into a girl. That's not what it sounds like, but yes, you bump into a girl. <laughs> you bump into what is unapologetically Princess Jasmine. Now, do you bump into her or did she bump into you? That's very important. Oh, God, that's did true. Did you? <laughs> I, what, what was the did right you, answer? Did you set a pick so that she just runs into you? <laughs> right? The game literally wants you to make it like be, what, which is it? And we'll uh, circle back to that. But this game came out after Aladdin and decided to have Marl, the like girl you bump into, be a princess who was pretending to be a commoner at this point, going out into the town dressed in Princess Jasmine's costume. It's like the blue cool pants and like the blue belly top. I thought it was white. Belly shirt. Well, that's what Jasmine's wearing the blue. Yes. And then Marl's yes. wearing the white. Yeah. Oh, and, and okay. So she's got like that same exact outfit on and just like, oh no, I ran into a commoner boy. Maybe you can show me around and then they kind of bebop around. And, the she, and she's pretending to be a normal girl. Yes. Even though like, like what's your name? She and she's like, um, <laughs> uh, Marl. <laughs> oh, well actually. Okay. Some, some context is necessary in the American version. Her real name is Nadia. And the name she gives you is Marl, which is very weird. Yeah. In the Japanese version, her name is Marledia and the name she gives you is Marl. So Wait. she just shortens her name and assumes that that's enough as a disguise. It would be like if Jasmine was like, I'm Jazz. <laughs> Jazzy. I'm, my friends call, I'm Jazz, but my friends call me Jazzy. <laughs> Jazzy Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is an opportunity that the live action remake a lot and missed out on. 
Yeah. They should have taken their cues from Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Again, I I honestly think the live action Aladdin should have had more cartwheels in it. I like, like that. Just I think ma- every movie should have more cartwheels in it. Chrono Trigger should have had more cartwheels in it also. So Anyways, once you got, you got this girl following you, right. obviously I went straight to the drinking contest to prove how much <laughs> beer I could drink. And that's a hard contest. And she comments on everything you do. When you like go around the fair, like she's like, oh, oh, Chrono, you're so competitive. She's like falling all over you, kind of. And they want you to know that she is both opinionated, but like along for the ride. Pretty much Mm -hmm. no matter where you're going and what you're doing, she's up for it. And you end up going kind of to the back of the fair where you find your friend Luca. And she is working on, you know what? I I can't really figure that. Yeah. It looks like a. Two platforms. Sterling's just cupping two imaginary breasts. <laughs> it's like two huge tracts of land. <laughs> but no, it's like it's like two different platforms with grids on them, and she's just hammering away with her and her dad and all yes, sorts of machinery. The most important science tool in this game is the hammer. And dude, I've been like, sciencing oh, wrong my whole life. Go stand on the thing, Chrono. Don't you want to be teleported and to like? And it here's a crazy thing. It works. It works. Yeah, it's your friend just invented teleportation. It's a thousand what well, AD, and they made a teleporter. And you're like, that's super weird. Yeah. Also, what are like the ethical and moral quandaries yeah. that arise? Did Chrono that? on the left die? Yeah, so that Chrono on I the think, right could exist. I like I, I in mean, a game that introduces. I think Chrono would be okay with that ultimately, but in a game that introduces cloning later. There are a lot of questions about what is life and death and what is the new body. Also, you will probably find the Millennial Fair diversion where you can fight Luca's robot before you get here. So they do set up some expectations that uh, this is not the normal 1000 AD because Luca is alive. Yes. (laughs) She's the deciding factor. You go on there and the girl you're with, Marl, is like, whoa, that's super cool. I want to do that too. And she hops on there. And as she does... Her necklace that she's wearing starts reacting, going, and then exactly what she gets pulled. No, I love that sound effect. Pulled through time and disappears through a Terminator Two style like popping portal. We pulled that up because I I had that suspicion. It really does look just like the Terminator Two time portal thing. And we said Terminator 2 came out 91, is that what you said? Yeah, 91. So obviously an influence. So far it's Terminator 2 meets Aladdin and also probably a lot of Back to the Future as we'll get into soon. I think one thing you'll hear us talk about throughout is probably what does time travel mean in this game? Well, for now, Marl goes somewhere. We don't even know she has time travel yet. She just pretends the player has not looked at anything outside of the game. It's like space ripped open and she fell through it. That's yeah. all we know. And Luca's like is upset. She doesn't know where yeah. this is. My hammer failed me. And the pendant is left remaining on the telepod. Yep. And Chrono runs up and is like, I'll go after her. This is the moment he has been waiting for. Can I say, by the way, when I first played this game, I was like six or seven. Okay. And I remember my friend showing it to me. This is before I had my own copy. And he said, like, we, we got to that point. He's like, what are you going to do? And I, <laughs> I like, like the idea like, that you, like, you should walk just away. leave. Yeah, he told me to leave. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm going after her. And I went up and I pushed A on the thing. And because I'm a child, it blew my fucking mind <laughs> that Chrono picked up the pendant and did exactly what I wanted him to. That's amazing. Like the game manipulated me into wanting to do That's the only cool. thing I was allowed to do. That's very cool. And so when you pick that up, 
and give the thumbs up to Luca, she activates this teleporter and everyone's really all through space as well. Really on board with going all in on saving a virtual stranger, which I I guess is what makes them heroic. Personally, I think Luca had an ulterior motive. I think Luca was like, what just happened? Chrono steps in. (laughs) Oh, you're going to reproduce. I mean, you're going to go after her. Yes. Do (laughs) it. Luca's in it for the data. And she says the most amazing line right after. She says, go ahead. I'll catch up with you. (laughs) Which is the most amazingly confident yes. thing to say about what just Especially happened. because now when, when Chrono... Could you just imagine you accidentally like make like cold fusion? Imagine you just did like one instance of that. No problem. Everything's fine. And somebody's like, can you do that again? You're like, no problem. <laughs> do you know how you did it? Nope. <laughs> but I'm going to do it again. She's like, once I've seen it happen twice, I can probably yep. just make it happen whenever I want. So you go into this time portal and you're kind of in mode seven, first person mode where you're seeing like what I can only assume is the the strand, the blue strands of time passing you by as you go into the darkness at the end of this tunnel. Yeah, like your generic dimension hopping effects yeah. kind of thing. And then you come out somewhere on a mountain. So you do eventually follow like some rumors about a queen who's gone missing and they found her maybe. Oh yeah, because when you come off the mountain, you realize like you're in pretty much the same area. It just looks different. Yeah. A little fair easier. Is, the fair's not here. All right. the setup isn't here. There's trees here that weren't here a moment ago. Yeah. All right. You can explore a town similar to what you explored at the beginning of the game, but it's not the same people. and Not the same people. You're worried about different things. No There's one's a sure. There's happening. Yes. You're like, what about the fair? And the everyone's queen. like, a fair? Yeah. The right. queen. I was like, huh, war? We, I was just at a fair celebrating the end of a war 400 <laughs> years ago. Weird. Well, I'm not going to think too hard on that. <laughs> Maybe they're reenactors. So Chrono goes to the castle and mm-hmm. he meets the quote unquote queen. And we are in 600 AD. Yes. I mean, unless that's not obvious enough. <laughs> Chrono has time travel to 600 AD. Yes. So he goes to the castle and finds definitely not Princess Jasmine, but it's spoiler alert. It, it is. We should start calling her Marl, just to make <laughs> no, it less confused. And I'm going to call Chrono Aladdin. Did you even name her Jasmine in your file? No, I didn't. So you're just doing this now to be yes. difficult. Yeah. Marl is such a terrible name, I felt obligated to keep it for her. Nadia, maybe? No, just Marl. Only one character gets their true name in my playthrough, and we'll, we'll, we'll come to that later. Right. So, okay. so you go to the castle, and you find what everybody is calling Queen Lean, nay, you somehow managed to get her alone in the castle. Yeah, like, wow, strange. And all the servants are like, <laughs> oh, I see. And to, for context, people are saying like, oh, the queen had been missing, but we found her on the mountain wandering. Yes, and she seems sick, maybe. She's not Different. quite herself. So yeah. they're like, she's in her room and we're guarding it. And Unless a really wants- hot guy comes yeah. up. <laughs> she's like, she has a one-on-one audience with this newly appeared boy in her bedroom. Yes, and she's like, come closer, come closer, Chrono. And she reveals, it's Marl. Yes. Which, you know, it's not, I don't know. You played it as a kid. Was that a surprise to you then? No. Okay. So I, <laughs> it was not. I wasn't sure, even like, I'm not sure if it's ever meant to read as surprising to anyone. I don't think so. Because when you first meet her, the guards are about to take you away when you come into the castle. And then she tells them to stop. And then she starts giggling. Yes. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's Marl. Yes. 
So I, I like how this part you're talking with her and she's like, oh, thanks for coming and getting me. Everybody thinks I'm the queen. Haha, <laughs> isn't that funny? And then poof, she disappears. And yeah. you're like, and it sounds painful. She's like, it hurts. Chrono. Oh, no. It's yeah. actually a little dark. And I think you start putting together at this point, you know, that Marl was mistaken for this queen because she's that queen's descendant. And because everybody thought that the queen was saved, they don't actually save the real queen, which means yes. that she's going to die, which means that. Marl's descendants are never born, which means Marl ceases to exist. Exactly. I would like to call this pulling a Marty McFly. <laughs> well, because historically, the queen had disappeared, but they found her. Right. But finding her means they don't look for the queen, which means she never yes. gets born, or her ancestors don't get born. So right off the bat, your adventure is all about fixing how you fucked up time. Well, you're fixing how Marl fucked up time. Yeah. Also- Actually- you're fixing how Luca fucked That's a good time. point. Too. So I love this moment just because the queen just poofs out of existence and you just walk out of that room <laughs> and you're like, bye. Oh, no. Well, the, did you talk to the people there who are like, did you do anything untoward? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, the queen. And I, I said, well, yeah. Yeah, I agreed. <laughs> I said the same thing. And they're like, ooh, scandalous. Like, By the way, your you. queen's gone. Yes. Well, you don't say that. You just like walk out like. <laughs> no, but I, like, like, they let, the queen has gone missing. They just found her. They let in a stranger wearing yeah. weird clothing, I assume also, because he's from the future. And then after having a one-on-one, -on -one, the queen is missing again. And they're yeah. like, boy, are we bad at our jobs? <laughs> Are, yeah. we, are we on the chopping and, block? And, you know, also appropriate for a kid's cartoon from the time, a lot of sex jokes. Yes. A lot of innuendo yes. happening. In your endo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Definitely. <laughs> so, it, and then it's at this point. Luca shows up. Oh, my God. And explains everything we just said. And also, by the way, she figured time travel out. She created a gate key that lets her ride the time gates. <laughs> and time gates are certain points in the world that are like, I don't know, would you think of it as like a ley line? Like a, yeah. like a, like a connect? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they've opened up and nobody really knows why, but for some reason one opened up at your time and that's because Luca meddled with shit. I think, I think and, at this point you can figure of the it necklace. out. Yeah. The necklace plus the teleportation. Yeah. Yes. So your new goal is to go find the Real queen. queen. And save Marl in doing so. And also save, you know, your kingdom that you just yeah. came from. And on the way you team up with a frog knight oh my who helps you find the queen. I love him. I named him Glenn for a no frog reason. frog who introduces himself as, as frog. frog. Yeah. yeah, that's a good name. His animations him. are great, too. He hops. He, yes. And he talks like this classical Shakespearean knight kind of vibe. Yeah, which, which no one not, else, no one else talks that way. Yeah, like it's not like everyone in that time is talking that way. Yes, although we will talk about, I think later we can get to why, why he talks that way, yeah. But for now, I'm just like, this is endearing. I like this guy. I was like, maybe he's yeah. been around forever. Luca like, very reluctantly teams up with him because he's a frog, which <laughs> yeah, is funny later. It is. And um, he like, just to give you a brief description of what he's like, you know, classical knight has like a, a European sword. He can, he can use his tongue to wrap enemies up and cut them. And That's when Luke is more interested. He can heal you with his tongue. <laughs> the slurp yeah. spell. Yeah. Now Luke is even more okay. interested. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you find out that the cathedral in 600 AD is secretly run by monsters who are in disguise as humans led by uh, Yakra, a demon. the head-disguised demon. And you, Frog, and Luca defeat him. You save the queen. You put everything back where it's supposed to be. And you're like, let's go back to our time. And you kind of go back on a triumphant note. 
And but we, yeah, and as soon as you get back, you're like, oh, wow, that was that was a hoot. And the <laughs> king arrests you for abducting the princess because people saw you guys together at the fair, and then you were kind of absent for a while. And now everybody at the fair that you interacted with will say your praises or your condemning. Like, Which, like, before words. we get into the trial, I just want, this is another installment of Lindsay has thoughts on time travel rules. Okay. If they are time traveling, why couldn't they just come back to the very moment they disappeared. They yeah. left just enough time. All right, here's my reason. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they have control over when they- Luca has just okay. discovered it. She's still tweaking it She hasn't fine-tuned it yet. I, I have to assume, based on like what happens in the plot of the game, that the time gates are roughly going back to the same time, but they're never taking you back to the exact moment. Got it. So I think some time has passed. I know in some time travel like universes or genres of time travel- However much time you spend in the past continues to pass from where you left. There's no oh, logic really? behind it other yeah. than that it's narratively yeah. interesting. <laughs> narratively conducive? Yes. I would say at least one day has probably passed. Right. Because if a princess is gone for even a few hours, yes. I'm sure everyone is panicking. Yes. So in that panic, they set up a trial. Which is really a cool moment in this game. One of my highlights of it, to be personally honest. It's in a really beautiful set piece. And they kind of agree right off the bat. Well, your lawyer fights a little bit, but they basically say this trial is really about whether Chrono is the type of person who would kidnap Marl, which is funny. It's not like, the what you would do in a modern <laughs> trial. They're really just... It's like they're setting up, yeah, they're they're setting up his credibility <laughs> rather than whether or not he did it. Yeah. Like, is this a credible person? Can you believe his testimony that he didn't abduct her? Oh, yeah, well, he ate my sandwich without asking. So oh, what yeah. are some of the yeah. things that come up that could impact how this trial goes? Because for the so, listeners, this trial could go either way. So, whether or not you ate a sandwich so again, outside of stole the, the old man's lunch. Yeah, there is a item outside of the mock battle with mm-hmm. the robot where you can in go the fair at the beginning at the fair at the beginning where you can heal up by eating this lunch. So if you go there, you get a full heal. That's great. And in the world of RPGs, if I see food that I can eat sitting on the screen, I'm like, thank you, developer. This is for me. Yeah. Not in Well, it's game. funny because there's an old man walking next to it. And he says, I can't wait to enjoy my lunch. But you see the lunch before you see the old man. Oh, yeah? You run into the sandwich at the bottom of the screen, and the old man is pacing oh, up and down. Yeah. So he could be in the top right. Oh, it's right. definitely meant to be a gotcha. Yeah. I fully believe and it got me. the I'm canon just <laughs> is that, or at least my personal headcanon, is that Crone did all the bad stuff. Yes. and <laughs> He <laughs> you, would. Well, you can help the girl find her cat. Help the girl find her cat. I think Crono would do that, too. I think he would yeah. do both of those things. I agree. He'd eat the guy's lunch, and... There, there are two other big things that affect... Well, also, whether you bumped into Marl, whether she bumped, she into, bumped you, into you, whether you picked up the necklace first before you saw if she was okay? Because you can just like wait too long and stare at her. You can can pick up the necklace and try to walk away. And before you you go up to the time machine, uh, Marl wants to get some candy and she goes to a stall and you have to wait on her and, and every not, player is going to try to move because she, you can move during text boxes in yes. this game. I did not. You really just sat no, there just while sat nothing there. happened? Yeah, I just waited. Wow, you really are lawful good. Thank you. And <laughs> she's just out there choosing a, whatever candy neutral. she wants. Whatever candy <laughs> she wants. And it takes, I'd say, like 30 seconds of real life time for her to actually turn around. And if you try and hurry her by talking to her or walking away or do anything... 
boom, character evidence against you. I yeah. think this game is good training for all people who want to date a girl one day yeah. and take good care of her. Uh, the other thing you can do, I think this is the last one, is uh, Melchior, a blacksmith who's at the festival, will ask you if you can get Marl to sell him her pendant. He has an eye on that pendant for Ooh. who knows what reason. And if you say yes, she'll be like, no. But they will bring this up in the trial. That you tried to get her to sell yeah. it. Interesting. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But either way, they'll count up the bad things you did and the good things you did. And the jury will decide if you are guilty or innocent or not guilty. And um, <laughs> either way you do it. The jury has found you innocent. <laughs> <laughs> the um, chancellor, regardless. Yeah. Yeah, like you I away was found not and guilty. throws you in jail. Yeah. He's going to execute well, yeah, you. Yeah, he tells the per, the clerk or whatever, put him in for execution. And the clerk's like, but he was found not guilty. And the chancellor very suspiciously says, nah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Just execute him. And you go to jail. And no one's like, should we question our, our blossoming <laughs> judicial system? So you are in jail and you can kind of take choose. one of two routes right. here. You can wait to die or you can break out. Yeah. Now, if you break out, you know, you break out. But if you wait to die, your head is in the guillotine and Luca bursts in and shoots up everybody and yeah. kills them and is like, I'm busting you out of here. <laughs> I love that moment. Um, if you, yeah, if Luca is a badass. She's like, uh, earlier this morning, I invented time travel, took care of some of that. Now I am invading a prison with just me and one yeah. of my guns. She that just I kicks the door open. She's like, die fascist. Yeah. She shoots all of the guards. <laughs> that like, has what? to be a comic that exists. You know what, though? That I, If I were Luca, if I, were I would, I would do that too. Executed. Because you know what? I get out of there. I have a time machine. I go back like uh, like four minutes before I leave. And I'm like, all right, we have them. We don't need to do this anymore. Or, Corona, we're going to live in 600 AD from now on. Right? But they, have- don't, they don't go back in time after this. They escape from the castle. and With Marl. With Marl. Yeah. Marl's like, whoa, shit's really messed up in here today. And they fall through another Terminator 2 they, portal. They find another time gate they didn't know about in the forest. And they're like, this is our only way to escape. So they were like, well, yep, fine, we can't we'll take walk it. between trees. Yeah. Let's just take this. Yeah. <laughs> and they end up in the future. Yeah, we'll add some echoes and post on future. that. Future. I'm, I'm imitating <laughs> Squidward. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> so they end up, they don't realize it's the future at first, but it's like, it's like, it's not even a Mad Max kind of future. This is be- post Mad Max. This is, oh, yeah. the world is raining ash. It's I would say this ash, is yes. maybe 200 years pre the time machine future. It's pretty bleak. Yes. Heat death of the universe. Everything is gray. Nonsense. Yeah. There's barely any humans left. And just to summarize, like what they see, like human, like the few remaining humans are in domes. They don't have food anymore. What food remains is spoiled and is still guarded by robots, which is a little bit strange that some people were controlling the actual food supply. But the reasons humans can still exist is because they have this thing called the Enertron, which has survived for 300 years and basically like rejuvenates you, but leaves you feeling hungry. It doesn't sate your hunger. It just keeps you alive. Yeah. And it's interesting because you can use it as the player for your party to heal up and it gives you a message to that extent. Like, yeah. All right. You're full or you're what is it you've You've but you're still healed but yes you're still hungry yeah yes and when it says you're still hungry your character sprites look sad it's actually the first quest in this time period where they're like go get us food yeah and there's no food left yeah it's definitely desolate dark like the people are huddled in rags 
the robots are hostile to humans. There's mutants running around who are yeah. also hostile. There's a man who is like attached permanently to a bike. He, okay. They make such Johnny. a big deal about this character, his entrance. He gets like a random mini game and he's never relevant to the this game is, ever. This is again. one of the things I love when it happens in a video game. Basically, to give you a little bit of peek behind the curtain, there was one developer whose job was to work on this mini game. <laughs> And he was like, this is my job. I want to make this the coolest thing. <laughs> he made his own character. He made a song for this guy. There's like a whole intro to the character showing up. You can save your score on the mini game. And then they're like, wow, you really, did we really not give you another task? Okay, I, all right, I guess put it in the game. <laughs> I, it's interesting too, because not only does that character not come back, but there's no equivalent of that event in each time Oh, like they period. don't use the mechanics anywhere else. Yes, yeah. you almost think, oh, maybe there will be one kooky character in each time period with their own minigame. No. Or even just a race again. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it is just this one blip and it never matters and yeah. it never comes back, but it's obviously lovingly done. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, in the future, you stumble across a robot who you call Robo, you fix him up. Luca does. somehow fixes the future a robot, robot from the future. She's like, well, oh yeah, that makes first sense. First of all, she used her hammer. Yes. So I think she does have a screwdriver science. too. <laughs> and At least one. while you're there, you also discover a message from the year like 2000-ish, which says, so like in 1999, this thing called Lavos blew up the world and that's why we suck right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a log of like the final moments of human civilization yeah. where these people say, they, they see this giant almost like urchin slash snail thing emerged from the earth, In rain, like fire, fire and lava Armageddon and brimstone. style. And then it shoots off all sorts of its needle, like urchin, like needles into the atmosphere yeah. and they pelt everything and destroy human civilization. In 1999. And here's the weird like thing. They call it Lavos, which we will later find out is a name that has been appended to Lavos, this creature since the dawn of time. But the people in 1999 still know that this is, they know what this is. Do we ever know how they know? We don't. I think it's totally left up to interpretation. That is interesting. So we get this message learning like the truth of the end of the world in Lavos. Yeah. And this is kind of when the characters finally realize what their quest is. Like this is when they decide, oh, there's this problem that's going to happen way beyond our lifetimes that we could technically just go back and not worry about. But now we have the knowledge that, you know, time ends in this way or humanity ends in this way. And we have time travel. What are we going to do about it? And Chrono ever looking for a quest, I think, and his people decide, yeah, we're going to go and kill Lavos. And they, <laughs> their only lead is that. Chrono's like, we seem like the right group of people for this job. <laughs> right. That frog has a sword. We killed uh, Yakra. Yes. <laughs> we killed like the demon lord that, you know, we all celebrated at the millennial. Not there. yet, but they will. Oh, well. Yeah. I, but, I want a resume before someone's allowed to save the world. Well, we'll find out that Magus is like, yeah, I can do it. Yes. Um. So the, the characters only have one lead, which is that Lavos may have appeared in the world at some point in 600 AD or some kind of time anomaly happened. And they're like, okay, well, let's find a time gate. Somehow the computer tells them where a time <laughs> gate is, but it's behind a locked door. And Robo says, let's go to this factory. We can open the door from there. In the middle of that, they meet Robo's like 
not like the same model. They're like all the same run, like the same series. Same line. Yeah. Yeah. And Robo is defective. Yeah. They tell Robo, you're trash. You're defective. You're supposed to kill humans, not help them. And they Which beat I assume up. is what all robots are meant to do. Uh, I think that, that is kind of the implication here. Again, Robo is terrible. He is defective. That's why I hate <laughs> Wally too. I love because him. he's a robot. He has a purpose, and he's not doing it. Sterling's <laughs> like this robot is not trying to kill me, so I don't like it. Robo, you had one job to kill me. <laughs> you couldn't do it. So you there's. This, I I thought it was a sad scene where Robo's brothers beat him up and then literally kick him into the garbage can. Yeah, and then you kill them. <laughs> you and Luca kill them. Vengeance. And you, there's a scene where you pull Robo across the world map, like his corpse, back yeah. to the place where the time gate is, and Luca fixes him up. And uh, they have like a little bonding moment. And then you, all four of you, get into this time gate because you think it's going to take you back to 600 AD, but it actually takes you somewhere else. It takes you to the end of time. It turns out four people cannot use a time gate at once. <laughs> the magic number is three. <laughs> and, there's, and they tell you, well, you have arrived here where this old man sits at a lonely lamppost at a dock or something. A mo- like a modern looking lamppost. Like it looks like this little vantage point is made up of parts from different time periods, maybe. Yeah. And there's an animal there named Specchio who says he can teach you magic. Yeah. Which is a plot point that's kind of dropped pretty I, quickly. I thought that would be a whole thing. It's like almost like, what's your Hogwarts house? Yes. that's Each character has an element, like, or I guess Avatar, like, are you an airbender? Yes. But really, it's just like, come here and you get this new skill tree and we yeah. really drop it having a lot of meaning. Well, you use it exactly once more after the first, after the three kids from 1000 AD get it. You can only get it for Frog after that. Right. And then after that, Ayla can't use magic and Magus is already a master. And Robo magic. can't use And Robo magic. can't use magic. Either. Obviously. He uses electronics. <laughs> Dirty robot. <laughs> so from the end of time, you kind of, that's like your hub now. And like you can go to different time periods from there. So you go to 600 AD where you find out that there is a war going on and you can't get to Magus, which is where you think Lavos is going to show up. Yeah. So Magus, I don't know if we've really talked about this much yet, but he is the leader of the enemy forces of this like demonic forces. Yeah. Yeah, He's the mastermind behind everything that happened already in 600 AD, why the queen went missing and... And as far as we know, he's the big bad. Yeah. Even now, we're kind of sure. Maybe in league with Lavos or trying to summon him. So he brings about the end of the world. You're not sure. You know what? You think, I think the characters think he creates Lavos at that time. And he, and just to give the audience an idea of like how he's being presented in the Japanese version, he's Mao. He's the demon Lord, which is the generic term that you would use for like the end boss of like a fantasy RPG. Very cool. And, you know, you you meet up with Frog again, and you learn that Frog's knight friend, who he was squiring under, was supposed to kill Magus. right? Cyrus. Yeah, Yeah, I love that name. Frog's friend, Cyrus, was supposed to kill him, but Magus killed him and turned Frog into a frog. Yeah. Yeah, Cyrus used to be a kid named Glenn. Cyrus was like the chosen knight of the Empire sent to face off against Magus and kill him. And yeah. Frog, who was the human Glenn, followed him because he idolized him. I, I saw and him as saw, a squire. Yeah, I think okay. he is a squire. And saw, but he also, I mean, he idolized him. They are also him. friends. Yeah. They were friends since childhood. Yes. And he he looked up to Cyrus as this pinnacle of what a knight can be. 
And he sees Magus strike Cyrus down. Yeah, like it's nothing. And then he doesn't get his own heroic death. No. Magus instead says, let's just play a joke on this kid and turns him into a frog and then throws him into a ravine. Yeah, it's very, very sad. And you kind of like this whole quest line before you can fight Magus, you have to basically give frog the two things that Cyrus used to, de- to try to defeat Magus, which are the hero medal, which is a sign of like basically a symbol of being a hero. And the originally called the <laughs> Grand Lion is a magic sword that is the only thing that can break through Magus's magical barrier. Uh, but in the American version, as a nod to older Final Fantasy games, it was called the Masamune, which is a very strange name for a European <laughs> knight's sword. Yeah. And also, I'm not going to lie, as a kid, I didn't know how to pronounce it. I call it the Massimune. Yeah, it looks like Massimune. Yeah, that's how it's said, Chris. Massamune is cool, but Massimune. And considering that it was never even called Massamune in the first place in the Japanese version, <laughs> to make it easier for me to say, I'm just going to call it Massimune. I love it. Is yeah. it an invention of the American script anyway? Yes, Massimune it is. So you go on this large, long quest to make the mass immune again. Yeah. Uh, I think Magus destroyed it in the or broke it. In, it was broken in the fight. In the you fight. have to get Melchior, the blacksmith, to he, you have to get some Who kind somehow of crazy is stone. Still a, a, do you find him in 600? Yeah. He's in 1000 AD. So you do have to time travel. Yeah. This is where you start having to take resources across time yeah. to create better things. You that's you know I didn't even think about that but you're right. This in order to create the mass immune, you have to do things only a time traveler could do because the mass immune is impossible to restore to its normal state. Yes. In 600. Magus did a really good job of breaking yes. it. Like he the one you, thing he didn't anticipate was time travel. You have to get some weird red rock called dreamstone mm-hmm. from prehistory bring it to a master blacksmith, and then you have to get the severed hilt, which is composed of two wind spirits called Massa and Moon, or Grand and Lion, and then take it. So you've gone to prehistory, 65 million BC, which we'll get back to later. You've <laughs> yeah, gone don't think to, about it too hard now. Uh, you've gone to the present to find the blacksmith, and you've gone to 600 AD to get the hilt, and then you combine all three of those parts to create the magic demon-killing sword, and on the way, you see flashbacks to, you know, what we described as Frog's backstory, how Frog was a cowardly child who was bullied a lot, and Cyrus always would come and save him and say, Glenn, you gotta stick up for yourself. Like, I can't be here to save you all the time. And I think it's kind of implying that if Cyrus couldn't do it, Frog thinks, how could I ever do it? Yeah. And bringing him these things that belong to Cyrus, I think reminds Frog that like, you know what? It doesn't matter if you think you can do it. You have a duty to your friend to carry on where he left off. He, This is what he would have wanted yes. you to do. Yeah. It's definitely a powerful story of like going through all this effort to show Frog he has what it takes. You're just giving him the tools to to reach that point. Yeah. And then you do, you take him to Magus's super cool looking evil castle. Yeah. You fight your way through not just like his demon like henchmen or whatever but also his lieutenants these yeah there's several bosses that you Slash have to fight lee and ozzy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wait this is that black sabbath uh ozzy's black sabbath slash is guns and roses i don't and even know he's is, guitarist. flea is uh red hot chili peppers I okay think. okay nice cool 
I think it's the Guns N' Roses. I think they were like soy sauce, mayonnaise, and vinegar in the Japanese version. Oh, that's adorable. (laughs) They're like tough fights. Yes. This whole design definitely feels like... This feels like an end game level, by the way. Yes. It's it's long. It's grueling. Like you have to fight several bosses to get to the boss you're really interested in. You have to fight three like mid tier bosses, and then you have to fight the. Don't you have to fight the other guy that he's in league with, or is that one of the three we just said? Ozzy. Ozzy. Okay. Okay. It's one of the three. So yeah, like you're going through a lot to get to Magus. Yeah. And when you get there. It looks like he's in like a demon summoning circle. Yes. There's candles, there's pentagrams and almost transmutation circles from Full Metal Alchemist on the floor. And he is about to summon forth this great demon. At least Presumably that's what, Lavos. Right. I, I assumed it was a demon at this point. Um, yeah. So you come in and say, not so fast. Magus. Magus. <laughs> <laughs> and you defeat him and... You somehow you hear Lavos's voice, which is like a sound that cannot be described. Maybe we can throw it in and post. Um, but it is a very iconic sound for me, at least. It's not something I had ever heard before or okay. since. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I, I, I can't do it. I just tried, but yeah. like, it's something that only a computer could create. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> and um, you are thrown to another time period, 65 million BC, where you now have to help a cave woman named Ayla defeat these lizard people called the Reptites, and yeah, um, which are like. Dinosaur alien things? Dinosaur people? Yeah. And they are way more advanced than these stupid monkey people. They have robots. I would like to share that Ayla is definitely best girl in this game. No shade of Marl. But Ayla is like everything... Very sexy cavewoman, like strong, independent, capable. Yeah. Ayla's whole arc is that she has to convince her mate that just because she's strong doesn't mean that he can't be a leader too. Yes. And she needs him to be strong in his own non cool way. Yes. (laughs) While she's off fighting the battles. She's like, you're a good house husband. Maybe lean into that a little more. Yes. And actually, <laughs> Kino, because he's jealous of Chrono, Kino is the mate of Ayla, mm-hmm. because he's jealous of Chrono and his friends, uh, he accidentally betrays you to the oh reptiles. I was so frustrated. And causes her people to get captured. Yeah. And she kind of has to, like, she... This is actually a weird moment when you're talking to Kino and you're trying to, like, tell him, like, why did you do this? Like, you didn't have to do this. Kino says, like, I'm not strong like Ayla. And then Ayla walks up and punches him. Yeah. She's like, see, we cast That was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You are. So she punches him and then tells him he is strong in his own way. Yeah. He shouldn't try to be like, he shouldn't try to be jealous of Chrono and he shouldn't try to be jealous of Ayla. Yeah. Not interested in weird orange haired man who doesn't say much. (laughs) I'm interested in my. That's why you talk less than Ayla. Weak man. Who I like a lot. Yeah, they isn't very in, capable. They lean into caveman talk for Ayla to a point where it is yeah, a little annoying. I love her in spite of it. It's like infantilizing despite how capable she is. Yes, yes. That's a good, yeah, it's true. It's like a juxtaposition of her having the hardest time communicating, but she's like, in a lot of ways, your strongest party member. Yeah. 
And she's also in, as we said, great contrast with the lizard people. Yes. Who, again, super advanced. They've got robots. They're like at the peak of their technology, it seems like. Yeah. You fight a giant robot at the in this battle with their leader, Azala, who's like a mad scientist. And at the end of this battle, you find out that some giant asteroid-esque thing is coming from the sky. And Azala, who's a meteorologist, I guess, <laughs> says that thing is going to wipe out the entire reptite race. Azala and is like humans. Reptite Luca, I feel like. Yes. She just knows everything. Luca. She I can agree. do anything. Yeah. I'm good at science. Well, which branch? Science. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah. she's sharing that she's figured out. She knows that the reptites are about to go extinct from this rock falling from the sky and humans will make it out. But she says, but I still wanted to prove that we were superior and defeat you. And then Lavos falls on them. And you realize at this point, this is when Lavos appeared, not... 600 AD, 65 million BC. Lavos has been around almost as long as humanity itself. They, the reptites are wiped out. And funny enough, like every like quest of the game has its own chapter title that you see when you save the game. This chapter title is called Unnatural Selection. Yeah. Implying that Lavos unintentionally or intentionally selected you by falling on the reptites. Yes. So now you know where Lavos actually came from, and Ayla names Lavos right now. Ayla says, it's called Lavos. Uh, La means fire. Vos means big. Love that. And like, okay. Oh, wow. I thought it might be... You know what? I don't know what it was. Yeah. Okay. But by the way, this is the first time that you find out that anyone before 1999 AD called this called thing Lavos. Lavos, which is like, why do they call it that? I don't know. It's a little man. bit weird. Why did Magus call it Lavos? Why are like it's just Well, we don't know if Magus did or didn't call it Lavos, but I feel like the twist is like 19 people in 1999 may have already known Lavos may have been a known quantity. And they were trying to stop it. I like to stop think, it. Use it? Ooh. Who knows? I like to think that just by seeing Lavos or realizing its existence, it imprints in your mind its name. Oh, okay. so it doesn't even matter what like anyone calls it. Yeah, you just always cool. know it's, it's just some sort of weird eldritch grossness. And, and Ayla reverse see? engineered it. She's like, yeah, I guess this makes sense. And, and I feel like, you know, we will see some other Lovecraftian elements pop up related to Lavos soon. But you inspect the place where Lavos fell and a time gate has appeared. It turns out Lavos seems to be very connected to these time gates. And seeing a time gate, you're like, well... Going through these has yeah. worked for us so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what we do. <laughs> so you jump through time again, and you end up in 12,000 BC. Yes. And it's winter. It's snowy. It's probably an ice age at this point. Mm -hmm. And every so often across the barren, snowy landscape, you find pedestals. Mm -hmm. And if you go up to the pedestal, it teleports you up to a city in the sky called Zeal. Very magical, beautiful looking like kingdom in the yeah. sky, the floating continent. And uh, there's some like some, it's like a weird change of pace because it's like four towns almost that you're walking through. And you see everyone's talking about like being a scholar and learning things by sleeping. There's a lot of discussion of dreams. This kind of ties back to that bringing people to the end of time for superpowers thing. I feel like this game wanted to explore something about what magic is and what that means. I'm not sure it got a lot of payoff 
for that for me. Mm-hmm. But I see the thread because this also yes. has the elemental books you can find I, open a secret room. I actually do think it, the, I think it closes the loop on magic. Okay. But I don't think it closes the loop so much on dreams. I see and what I'm you're not saying. sure. I mean, maybe we'll have to talk about this, but like, I don't know what the dream motif means in this game and why it's so important. Yeah. But I do know that dreams are a really important part of Lovecraftian horrors. I can tell you, yes. the endings of this game all feel a little like how dreams end sometimes. Where you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, they are kind of dreamlike, done and not maybe connected. So you know, you walk around Zeal, and the 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 gist of it of this magical kingdom is that the queen Zeal has met a false prophet. Well, I'm calling him a false prophet. <laughs> a prophet has appeared. He's like, hello, I'm the false prophet. She's like, I should trust this guy. He seems very honest. <laughs> he has blue hair and a cape like Magus. <laughs> and um, you find out that the queen is using a machine to draw energy from Lavos. Mm-hmm. And the machine is called the Mammon Machine, which is a demon of greed and like Judeo-Christian lore. And her children, Janice and Shala are kind of like against this and trying to stop her. It's named the Mammon Machine. That's like if we called the Deepwater Horizon like the Mammon Machine or something. And it's like, oh yeah, we're just extracting oil from the <laughs> yeah. earth. Like It's like what's, what's, so on the nose. Yes. What do we call the machine that extracts the oil? <sighs> Beelzebub. <laughs> blah, blah. You're like, so do you think that this implies that like, Zeal is just like leaning in, like she's like, I'm evil and I like No, because I think I think this game throws around some other references to either like biblical things or mythology that I'm not sure we're supposed to assume mean anything so you think within it's the game. To be for the player to catch on yes. to. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and in fact, the three wise men that they introduce who are NPCs that we have met before at this point, they are uh, Balthazar, Melchior, and Gaspar. Gaspar. Yes. And we find out that they were advisors to Queen Zeal that she just stopped listening to yeah. at some point. And, and banished um, through time. She didn't banish them through time. What we find out is that in the original timeline before you came, these gurus tried to stop Zeal. And in defense, Lavos teleported all of them to different places in time. Yeah. So Melchior became the blacksmith in 1000 AD, who made you the mass immune. One guy became uh, a weird scientist in 2300. Yes. And the third guy became the old man who <laughs> lives at the end of time. Yeah. yeah. That guy got the short end of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but long story short about all the things that happen in Zeal is that you get a time machine and in- inadvertently get wings attached to it. So you have an airship slash time machine. Ah, uh, That's how you know you're in the end game. You, yes. <laughs> you confront Zeal. She creates a floating fortress that is powered by Lavos and it like exists throughout time now. You kind of have some con like you fight her people. You might end up fighting Queen Zeal right now if you want to. But you're now at the part of the game where you basically decide you need to either fight Lavos or deal with some of the problems that are happening on Earth right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most pressing one is the fact that when you c- first confront Zeal as part of the main plot line and Lavos kind of shows up and starts teleporting people again, he's about to just wipe your party out. And Chrono, without your urging, runs up and sacrifices oh, himself. Yeah. And is this around this time we get a pretty big reveal about Magus as well? Magus is actually the son of Queen Zeal. He's Janus. Which is and his canon name. 
That yeah. is what I named him. I think of him as Janice in my heart. <laughs> yeah. And oh, Magus, we should probably dwell on Magus for a second because um, basically Magus's motivation is that when all these people were trans- like teleported away, we don't know where his sister went. Um, Magus, a.k.a. Janice, went back to 600 A.D., where he was found by the demons, the magical people who were on the other side of that war. And he basically used them to get their resources so that he could summon and kill Lavos, which is an amazing thing to think that you can yes. do yeah. as Magus. And, it tracks, um, though, because when you were in this kingdom in the sky, everyone was pretty arrogant. That's true. So he seems like the prince of these people to be like, yeah, I'll just independently summon the creature I think made my sister disappear. Kill it. And I guess A plus B equals getting my sister back. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Magus, king of the zealots. And he reminds me a lot of Vegeta is what I'm trying to oh, go Okay, for. I didn't know yeah. what that was. I'm glad you explained Actually, it. yeah, because Vegeta is like the prince of this like evil kingdom kind of. Yeah. yeah. And he could become a good guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yes. after you, like, at pretty much at the start of you embarking on all these side quests, you can go With Chrono to, being dead. With Chrono being dead. I was like, you're not Chrono. You're other people in the party. Chrono sacrificed himself. You're Chronoless. Chrono's just not in, like, the party. He's not, like, grayed out or anything. Right. He's just not in your party member, like, menu anymore. He's been erased from time. I like to think at this point, basically, Marl is the main character. Yeah, I would agree. At this point, I liked to think that Magus is well, the main character. I also agree. The reason is because you go up to uh, a cliff in 12,000 AD once the kingdom of Zeal has been kind of destroyed by Magus. But Zeal doesn't care. She lives on that big spaceship now. <laughs> And the people who lived on Zeal now must, like, integrate with the people who lived on the Earth below. Uh, you go and find Magus waiting for you. And you can choose to either... He kind of explains to you, like, how all, like, how all of these things shook out in the original timeline, why they all got scattered to different times. And you can choose to either kill Magus right now or let him join you so that you can fight Lavos together. And, and I feel like you guys... That we, was an auto lock. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, oh, the demon lord that turns out to just be trying to avenge his family. For the moment and, I learned his name was Janice, I was like, I got to have this guy on my team. I was like, this guy is has a way better motivation than literally everyone here to kill this bad guy. So, you know, maybe we got looped into all of this by accidentally flying through time. But this man has dedicated his entire life to destroy yeah. this eldritch, awful slug man monster. And I want to point out, like, they kind of avoid that trope where someone joins you and they're weaker. Because when Magus joins you, he knows all of your magic, basically. Yeah. He's more. stronger than almost anyone else in your party. He's faster. He flies. He, can, he basically floats while he's, like, running around. Yes. And um, he has a sweet cape. Yes. <laughs> but here's something I didn't think about. So Janice, like when you meet him as a kid, as Janice, Janice has a special power. He can see the future, kind of. Mm. And he's the one who tells you one of you is going to die soon, which is Krona. Oh, no. Do you think Magus was so sure he could kill Lavos because Magus looked into the future and saw that Lavos was going to die? Yes. And maybe he saw him. I mean, if, if it's in my canon playthrough, he saw himself beating Lavos. Maybe. Here's the really, here's where we get into the mud a little bit. Prior to this point, I would say Frog was my favorite character. Uh huh. And then it was like, here's Frog's nemesis, Magus. Do you want him? I was like, 
Yes. Notably, you did not have Frog on your team. This is my new... <laughs> Sterling was playing it at that also, point. Also, um, Frog, uh, so we know that you were turned into a frog by this guy right here, but we're yeah. hanging out now. We're bros, dude. <laughs> He's like, I am not okay with this. Well, we need him to destroy this awful slug. <laughs> not only that. Do you really need him? Well, we'd have to level up a lot more. Right. <laughs> not only that, but then Magus joins the team and I guess no one is like, so could you lift that curse now? Or Yeah. Because Frog stays cursed. Yeah. Like, And it's pretty clear the only way you can lift that curse is by killing But, but Lindsay, Magus. if you lifted the curse, we would need a new sprite and we'd lose all of the slurping abilities Maybe. That's true. I do need him to be able to slurp. I didn't even think about that. He wouldn't be able to slurp anymore. Yeah. I don't know and why Luca I'd have Frog would no in my longer party. be interested. Well, actually quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, Luca would suddenly become his best friend. Yeah, I assume he maintains some skills. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about like some of the things you can do at this point while you're preparing yeah. for Magus. You're like bebopping I mean, around. Lavos. So as you're uh, beat bopping around, as you just said. Beat bebopping, not beat bopping. Like what did I say? Beat bopping. Oh, I guess it's just the congestion. Um, <laughs> it makes me add teas. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're, you're slumming around time, you can try and resurrect Chrono. You can follow through on replanting a forest that Magus mm-hmm. destroyed during the war. There's a lot of things you can do. You we'll can resolve some real, things for Marl. Let's start with the Chrono thing. It How seems do you like bring the instant Chrono one back? to go to. Yeah. So... You can bring Chrono back by going to the end of time and Gaspar, the man at the end of time, says, says, hey, here's this egg. And uh, could I trouble you with an egg in these trying times? Uh, No. Oh, yes. He says it just like that. (laughs) And no, but he tells you that this egg is called a Chrono Trigger and it has the ability to change things. And you just kind of. Well, wait, what are the rules of using the Chrono Trigger? Because he tells you that. Yeah, so to use this Chrono Trigger, it can bring somebody back from the dead, but that person has to have been important in time's opinion of that person. <laughs> yeah, you need, important to the plot. You need a clone of that person. And Uses the words an exact clone, which is a very troubling turn of phrase. And you need a... Sunstone, not a sunstone. You have to go to a place of like some kind of like time is like unstable kind of place. You have to go to Death Peak. Oh, okay. Essentially, I love that they're like, here's this all powerful object, but there's a lot of really weird rules to make it work. It's like casting like a really weird spell. It is like casting a spell. You're like, all right, so I need like worms root and and i, I want to point out that when you do this and we're going to gloss over the clone part as much as the game does which basically gives no explanation for why a, a oh scientist in 1000 ad not luca but a guy who runs a sideshow tent has and apparently has always had a, an exact clone of chrono but maybe it, but it's not a sentient clone it's, not, it's just a puppet body? It seems to be a doll of some kind it's weird i don't know what it means i will never know Listeners, i don't know if i, I want offer to you know no answers means. on this there's it's other things we have to talk about <laughs> we so, can anyways you you go back you grab the clone from the sideshow yeah. sideshow bob you get to the top of the mountain you get to the I top of the mo- you get to the <laughs> top of the mountain and release the chrono trigger. 
And I will say, it's, this is the title of the game. So yeah. obviously, this is somehow very important to the game. I think it's the opposite. I think that they, I think Chrono Trigger, even if there was no item called Chrono Trigger, I would have believed that as a title for the game. I agree. But uh, I think at some point they're like, what should this crazy MacGuffin that does this really big thing, what should it be called? I think they were like, Chrono Trigger. They could have just called it the Time Egg forever. Like, yeah, it's, it's true. It's also what it's called. It's true. I don't understand why they were like, I don't know. I think naming it the same thing as the title of the game is too big of a move for this very small blip. Mm-hmm. Although, interestingly, you don't have to do this. You do not have to do it. You could beat the game. At this point, depending on what side quests you do, you will receive like different endings. There's 13 different endings in this game. Yes. But let's not get to the endings <laughs> yet. You, uh, you mentioned earlier that it, it feels like you're casting a spell. Yeah. I think that's very appropriate because when you use the time egg... The the there's like an eclipse of the sun and yeah. evil music is playing like the magus like prelude music is playing and it just feels like you're doing something wrong I would say yeah like something that's not supposed to happen and what you do is you go back to the exact moment where Chrono is obliterated by Lavos and time is frozen and Magus who's my lead party member walks up to him. Moves him over to the side, puts a doll, like the clone doll, in his place, takes like the Chrono who is getting ready to be obliterated and, you know, walk away back into the normal time. It is so cartoonish. It's Mm -hmm. like a Muppet scene and how bizarre it is, I feel like. And, you know, you come back and... Chrono wakes up and Marl's so happy and falls yeah. on his lap and says, I'm only so one. happy that you're back. And yeah, Marl's really the only one that's really thrilled yes. about this, despite Luca being his oldest childhood <laughs> friend. She's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever. Well, some of it depends on who you bring with you. Like, you can have a very distorted, not, not sense of what the story is. Like, your story can be less or more impactful depending on who's in your party at key moments. That's true. Like, because- if Frog is in your party when you take Magus, that says something different. And, yeah. And it's interesting because each character has um, their own grasp and understanding of what's happening in the world. Yeah. And if you take, for example, Ayla, who speaks in grunts and monosyllabic phrases is in your party alongside Frog, who is a knight of an old realm and has no knowledge of whatever, and Chrono, who is a silent protagonist, <laughs> you might get literally no <laughs> valuable information from any well, scene. Ayla what- tries her best. Yeah. Actually, thing is, Ayla, you could tell they wanted her to convey information even if she shouldn't be able to convey it. Ayla's yeah. just so hyper-competent that she, she like Luca, is... Prescient. I don't know. But she's like, she's yeah, like you know what? stuff out at an alarmingly yeah. fast rate. Yeah, I can fight dinosaurs. So what is, what, what is this? It's not a problem to me. So you get Chrono back and um, a few of the other things you can do while you're preparing for Lavos. Uh, you can go and get a sunstone to make like really powerful equipment. And this is one of those interesting like use time travel to change right. the future parts where you... Take a stone that needs to be set in the sun for, like, millions of years, and you use that. Like, no one could normally do that, right? Like, it would be all of time spent making this powerful item. Mm -hmm. But you can just hop in your time machine and charge it up and go to the future and grab it. I wish I could do that when I'm baking cookies. I put them in, and I'm like, ha. Time travel. Bake for 15 minutes? How about I bake for one second? Yeah. 
is like a it's like a direct exploration of the core fantasy, yes. which is why I like this quest. But there's a fun wrinkle in it <laughs> because your sunstone gets stolen by somebody, the mayor in present, and the mayor of the southern city. I think it's poor uh, in the southern part of the like the modern day continent, and he's like notoriously greedy, and his kids hate him, and no one thinks he's a good mayor. But if you go back in time, you find out that his ancestor, this mom who's trying her best to feed her kids, she's like, oh, no, if only I had some jerky, I could make some food for these kids. And jerky costs, for some reason, $10,000. Yeah. $10,000 for jerky. expensive kids to feed. And so you have to go. Oh, wait, sorry. $9,900. And you can sell it to her for $10,000 if you want to. And well, that's, that's so weird because you have to go not, you have to go to the present. You have to go to a different time to find jerky, to bring it back to the past, yes. to give her the jerky. And you have the option to sell it to her or give it to her. And I was like, that's a lot of money. I, and I was like, but I'll give it to her. Yeah. And when you give it to her, and go back to the present, Her into, she says, before you leave, I'm going to instill in my children's the value of being a good person. because Of generosity. I didn't, I didn't realize that there were still good people in this world. And you and go back. That is a really strong, enduring lesson. <laughs> it's like, you know. If, Across generations. <laughs> yeah. My issue is, they seem to be pretty well off. They're in like the largest house in the 600s. And you go back to the future and... They're still in the largest house. I, I I would have appreciated it more if they had been in Oh, like a if their poor, living standard changed, yeah. they were happier. That would be cool. I would have loved, like, I like the idea that 400 years ago, if someone had just been a little nicer to, like, my great, 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 great grandma, I would be a better person today. <laughs> I kind of like that. It's, it's showing, like, it is, it is a kid's video game way of showing this ripple effect of, like, one act of kindness can make a greater impact than you might expect it to. Okay, kids, here's the butterfly effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like this game's version of that, I guess. And of course, when you get back, the mayor's like, I found this amazing stone that lights up the whole house and like you can see it glittering from like- yeah. The world map. Yeah, from the world map. I'm just going to give it to you because I'm that kind of guy. And his wife- Once someone gave some jerky to my great, great, great grandma. <laughs> and oh, and his kids love him now. His kids yes. love him Timeline. and his wife is- <laughs> complaining about how he gives everything away. Yeah. She's like, well, he, he gave away my tea set. So I guess his wife is always unhappy. <laughs> moral yeah, of the story. Is, uh, <laughs> the moral of the story is his wife is just a complainer. <laughs> wow. That's the real moral. Take. <laughs> just, uh, so that's like an example of the kinds of things you can do. Um, the main gist of the other side quests is that you can find stronger equipment. You find out that there's some remnants of the reptites, dinosaur robots. You can take Frog to Cyrus's grave and restore it. And Frog can talk to Cyrus's ghost who tells him, no, Frog, you really lived up to my memory. You have surpassed me. And Frog gets like a little bit of a confidence Yeah, the boost. game takes this point in time, end game, to be like, also, ghosts are real. And I'm yeah. like, okay, thanks, game. I guess you saw that in Magus's castle, I think. A little bit, but not. it wasn't that important. Oh, you see it with Toma. Yeah. Yes, that's the other example. And so Toma is this alcoholic that you see in all the taverns in the 600s. You always see him taking a job from someone. Like, I'll go find this thing for you. And then he is always going to appear in the tavern next door. Yeah, and he is like Indiana Jones, at least <laughs> but, but in his alcoholic. mind. alcoholic. <laughs> But a lot flightier, and, and he dies, of course. Yeah, and so you end up 
finding him and he's like, all right, I'm actually going to do this job at the very end of it and goes off and says to you before he leaves, if I don't, you know, show <laughs> up again, pour this drink on my grave. Yeah, he's his definitely spirits. like, pour one out for your boy. Yeah. <laughs> In the Japanese version, it's literally his spirits, his uh, sake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Pouring his spirits and you'd, on oh, his okay. grave. Yeah, we know. We to get, yeah, we're all there. <laughs> see his spirit. Yeah. Correct. Whoa. And when you do go to his grave, you go 400 years later. Yeah. And he, turns out his ghost is there and you have to pour one out for him to be put I, to rest. I just love what that says about Toma's priorities. Cause yes. he's like, I really might not come back from this, but you know, it'd be pretty badass if you pour this <laughs> vodka out of my grave. Right. Croto. I like to think of it as like a Bud Light. <laughs> it's a natty, natty, it's a natty light. light. I like natty. Light. He's a classy guy. And he did his ghost hung around. He's like, I have unfinished business. No one has poured alcohol on my right. grave. He's like, that's the one thing I left from you. I asked for one thing. His grave even says he became a great explorer. Yes. So it's not like that's yeah. the unfinished. Yeah. He finished all of his quests, presumably. So that yeah. treasure he helps you find is the rainbow shell, which goes into the Guardia National Treasury and becomes the like the focus of Marl's like, big plot with her father. Because the Chancellor, who I'm just going to say right now is still a descendant of Yakra, <laughs> the original like fake chancellor right. who was really a demon. It's His like the Senate does the same so thing. So what's uh, what's your job resume look like? Well, um, I come from a long line of chancellors. <laughs> Wait, of but you defeat... chancellors. We defeat Yakra in the past. Yeah, but, but like... He, just he, because he got Yakra, one in before. Yeah, exactly. Yakra, okay, he already had a kid. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So this is Yakra the 13th, and <laughs> he is posing as the chancellor and has essentially orchestrated a trial against the king for not displaying the rainbow shell at the millennial fair. Yeah. And, and Maul kind of reconciles with her father through this, which yes, she was having issues with her father because she was told by the chancellor that he wasn't there when her mom died and didn't get to hear her last words. And she, Mm -hmm. he's very controlling and doesn't like that. She goes out and is having fun in the world. She yeah. needs to be a princess. Like it, it almost implies that her rebellion is her expression of feeling like her father does not really care about his family. Yeah. Which we find out the opposite is true. That the reason why her father was absent so much when she was a kid is because he was caring for her mother who passed away. Yeah. So I think we've covered a bit of the side quests. Do we want to start unpacking the endings and maybe how those connect to those side quests? There's one major side quest that I think we have to talk about. Okay. And this is basically... Robo? Yeah. So... Got it. Not not the robo where you go to the future and find that, that the robots are still carrying out genocide, literally. <laughs> the side quest where you find out this lady is trying to restore a forest and you help her like clear out monsters so that it can be rebuilt... But she says, I'll never be able to do this on my own. Yeah, it would take hundreds of years. <laughs> 400 years exactly, I would estimate, is what I think But only if I had a robot. If I didn't, it would take longer. Uh, can, we, can we point out how many times characters accurately estimate how long <laughs> it would take to do something? 400 years, one day, two hours, well, 30 minutes. You guys were playing as Magus with the, the Sunstone. Yeah. And Magus is like, I think the Sunstone will take about 2,000 more years. Yeah. Yes. No, no. he says, I think the Sunstone has been missing for 300 years. Yeah, he knows something. how long it's been missing. Like, 
okay. <laughs> Thanks, Magus. How did you know that? Know. Magus so, knows everything. And the thing is, if you don't have Robo in your party when you talk to her, Robo won't offer up, hey, no. you know what? Let me do this. Which means that the game is asking you as a player to solve this puzzle by being like, I'm going to put a character who I can just leave for 400 years and who will still be alive. Yes. That's like an actual like gameplay challenge for of, you to solve. It reminds me of that uh, Roswell that ends well episode of Futurama where they go back in time and turn out to be the reason Area 51 is why we perceive that. that. I've seen that. And, and Bender falls off of the spaceship before they can all go back to the future together. And so they go to the, their present, their three year 3000 and start metal detecting everywhere. And they find, oh and they find That's Bender. Dark. That is really dark. And they find Bender and he's like, Oh, he fi- you guys finally found me. I'm not going to lie. Sterling has been on a roll of some odd comparisons and I did not think this was going to end up there, I concur. but he, he brought it home. Yeah. That is yeah. very on point actually. Like, Sound effects of an audience clapping, confetti. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that is very much like this. This is in the arc of Sterling this season <laughs> is a series of bad metaphor for Yeah, we hit the, the we hit the <laughs> nadir of that <laughs> in Metal Gear Solid. A metaphor? <laughs> a metaphor. Yeah. I like that. A bad That's metaphor. A bad Folks, metaphor. if you want to see some metaphors, listen to the Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah. I coined that term. <laughs> All right, so enough of the metaphors. Um, we, uh, so Robo essentially has volunteered to help Fiora or Fiona or whatever her name is replant all of these trees. And he's like, all right, you can come pick me up later. In 400 so years. You hop in your car, go whoop. And, Wait, and you see him on the world map. He's got like a little bandana on. Yeah, he's he looks digging. like a farmer. Yeah, he's adorable. And you go to the future. And instead of it being this barren desert, it is now a thriving forest. And there's a shrine to Fiona, the lady who did it all. Yeah. And uh-huh. the main <laughs> and statue deity. Yeah, and her help. The quote-unquote lofty robo. The lofty robo, exactly. And Robo's remains are sitting on a pedestal at the front of this church almost. Yeah. This and means Robo. Like mossy. Robo has like died twice in this game. Oh my god, you're right. He at some point he just stopped working. Yeah. Because I don't I doubt he would have just turned himself off if he knew you were coming. Right. Wow, dark. Yes. I so, just ran out of batteries. And I, my favorite moment is, especially because uh, Magus is at the front of my party, because of course he is. Yeah, you guys putting Magus in the front of your party, like, really changed the tone of a lot of these <laughs> side quests. <laughs> Made them feel more efficient. Where they're just like, like, Ma's like, Daddy, I do love you. And Magus is like, hmm. <laughs> he's like i'll be outside like i don't want to be and here. then cut to luca i wonder what Marl's up to yes. i hope she's okay so magus is in front of my party and he just we just talked to all of the nun-like figures at this shrine and they're like yeah you can go and see the lofty robo up there and magus walks up and he just grabs him and drags yeah. Robo off of the He says nothing. He doesn't yes. say anything. Robo does say, it's nice to see you again, Magus. And no one stops him. Like, imagine someone going into That's a church a and just taking their biggest statue and walking out. It's like, we have They're, a really nice Madonna think, like, here. And uh, what is that guy doing? They <laughs> He's taking it. move direct references to God and like the words holy and stuff from games at that time. Yeah. 
Uh, so I think that's why they call him the Lofty Robo. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he is a holy symbol. Yes. To these nuns. Yes. So right after you drag him off of his shrine, you and the rest of the crew are in a forest and Luca starts repairing Robo. Yeah, you take like a little camp break. The only scene of its kind in the entire game. Well, there are scenes where they kind of hang out and talk as Luca fixes Robo. But this is the only scene where all of the characters are present. Yeah. Except, Except for Chrono. Chrono is there the or he can be there if he's alive, but he's asleep. <laughs> and this is a really interesting scene because Luca is repairing Robo and Robo says, so like the time holes that we keep jumping through, what if like someone put them there for a reason? Yeah. Well, Robo says, you know, I was alone in a forest for 400 years (laughs) and I'm starting to think like, you know, the obvious explanation seems to be that Lavos made these time gates and that's why we can get around. But now I'm starting to think maybe it's something greater than Lavos. Maybe it's something more more important that's creating these time gates. Yeah, it's like 400 years of loneliness and a steady march towards a like death made him decide religion's cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're seeing Robo become more human. Right, and he doesn't say, like, some, when he says maybe something greater than Lavos, he refers to it as an entity, quote, unquote. Yes. And he's like, yeah, and what if the entity is like this? And he starts going off on on some yeah. sort of tangent about the entity is great and these are, might all be important spots in the entity's time. And who is yeah. that? And Well, they all this? contribute to it. Like Ayla and Frog say like, well, sometimes when you, I hear when you die, like you see your life flash before you and they kind of speculate that like maybe these, these times that they're going to, the reason it's these times is because it's it's reflecting some kind of trauma relating to this this person or entity uh and they no one has like a satisfying answer to that question it's just it's posing the question uh and then they are like well time to turn in yeah night guys robo just drops that bomb on them he's like i think you guys should sleep now (laughs) and uh, luca just walks away and opens somehow a red time gate is in I don't forest. question anything Luca can do. Do you think she made that red time gate? I don't yes. know what that is. Because it goes to an exact moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's she very personal so. to her, yeah. for sure. Which is the only time you open a time portal to an exact moment aside from trading out Chrono. Is that right? This is the only time, yes, that you create like a, a, a bespoke time. Yes, yes. And I feel like whoever you think the entity is, it seems like some kind of sympathetic action is helping, is coming, or let me rephrase that. It seems like something is showing some kind of sympathy to Luca here by allowing her to go to this spot in time. And whatever the answer to the entity is, that could be a very troubling thing. Yeah. Or it could be like a very nice and uplifting thing that's happening here. Did we want to talk real quickly about what that time is for Luca? Yeah. She goes back to the day that her mother's legs stopped working because she got caught in one of her dad's inventions. And you can input a password into the machine to stop it from hurting her mom. And uh, the game goes on the same way, basically the same either way. If you put the password in, which is her mom's name, L-A-R-A for Lara, you will save her. And then in the present time, she'll be walking around doing housework or whatever. 
if you fail, it'll go back to the way it was, and she will continue to just sit in a chair, and Tabin will bring her okay. food every day. Briefly, I know that when you go back in time, you find, like, because Luca is a kid at this time, and you find notes she had left, like, I hate science. Science is the worst. Yeah. I inferred that her being unable to save her mom there made her think, I got to figure out science and become a great scientist. Yeah, make prosthetics but for if, her mom or something. Yeah, but if she never sees her mom suffer that trauma, yeah, what motivates her to become a scientist? I think she is already a scientist if she does that. So you're saying, like, does that mean that gradually Luca stops caring yeah, about does science? Yeah, she create like, a does time paradox change? for herself, you know? I, know? I think that's a very good question. And I think Lavos was trying to maybe open up a time gate or maybe an entity to say, Luca, lose your inspiration. <laughs> Let wow, it happen. That would be dark. Uh, for the that, record, that's why that portal was red. For the record, I do think Lavos opened that gate for her. Do you? I do. But we'll talk about why that is after we talk about the endings. Okay. All so right. I feel like we've covered the major side quests. Let's talk about the final battle. So you can approach Lavos in one of two ways in your main game. Yep. You can use a bucket which takes you to 1999 AD. <laughs> Use a bucket. For the listeners, <laughs> one of the time gates that you can access from the end of time is in a bucket. And it's been sealed in that bucket. Yeah. And you can use that to transport to the moment Lavos emerges so you can kill him before he destroys the Earth. Or you can take the Epoch. Which like is your, your, time, your machine. time machine that flies the yeah. airship. And you can go through this really cool scene where you just sh- like shoot yourself into Lavos's outer shell burrowing how many, who knows how many miles deep into him because he's bigger on the inside than he is on the outside and then skip to the second phase of the battle with Lavos. You get to pick which one. Yep. Which one did you guys pick? Uh, I, in my first playthrough, I crashed my ship into him. I did too. And (laughs) in the one I recently finished, I used the bucket. bucket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was worth, I feel like you should try crashing your ship into him. It's a pretty... I, cool scene. I really liked the the that there's just the thing about the bucket that I just wanted to touch on was the guy at the end of time, Gaspar, says, "Oh, you're like, what's in that bucket?" He's like, "Oh, you wouldn't like it." And you're like, "Why?" He's like, "That's the day like of the apocalypse." <laughs> I like to keep that sealed away. Like nobody really wants to go that like, day. Don't go there if you like being alive. Yeah, or something like I, why? Well, that's the day the world ends. I think that the way the game is set up, this end game thing does an interesting thing with how you feel about the stakes and urgency because yeah. time travel. And the way I interpret it is, well, there's really no urgency, so I should take as much time as I yeah. need to be as prepared as possible. So why bother crashing the ship in, you know? It's yeah. a really cool option. But like logically, if I am Chrono, I'm thinking, oh, I got as much time as I need. As a kid, I just thought, I'm going to bring my time machine with me. I, <laughs> I mean, just that makes like sense. Yeah. That just seems like a thing that could help me. I don't yes. know. So when you get there and you see Lavos, his shell is, as we said, like a giant urchin with uh, almost like a three-hinged beak. Butthole? Yeah, like everybody <laughs> Everybody else here thinks Are it's like a sphincter. Are we just dancing around there? Yes, yes. But I think it kind of has like a beak-like Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it does. There it are does. definitely Pointed. like sea urchins that imagine, have that kind of mouth. Imagine like a squid, okay. except if it yeah, had a squid. third beak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how I, I viewed it. And there's an eye in the middle of it. Yeah. And except if instead of at the middle of the squid's beak it being like, you know, its esophagus, it was an eye. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what you want. Instead of eyelashes, you want something to crunch it up and get in your eye. <laughs> I mean, notably, 
And that's it, why I think it's eldritch. In this time period of like video game, like console RPGs, last bosses were often angelic. They were like yeah, very you, lofty looking. You had to beat God. That's and, like, yeah. that's, that's just typical even to today. Yeah, even today. That you have to kill God for but your Lavos, JRPG. I mean, you could still say you are kind of fighting God, but Lavos doesn't look the way most endgame bosses look. He looks like an animal, basically, yes, at this it, point. Right. If that even. Yeah. Like he kind of, for a while, I was like, he must be called Lavos because he's meant to look like a volcano. Like he does not reflect anything about humanity. Like you fight yes. Kefka in Final Fantasy VI and it's like Kefka is mirroring, he's like corrupting something you associate with goodness, which okay. is like angels or whatever. Okay. But Lavos isn't like, he's not like reflecting anything about humanity. No. He just looks like a space parasite. Yeah. At least on the outside. Well, I triply so on the inside. <laughs> yeah. And when you, when you, Beat the outside of his shell, yeah. which is an interesting fight because it imitates every single boss up until this point. Which I which think is, does show maybe he has a connection with those yes. different time periods. I think it's like shows that he has a hand in every single moment yeah. that you've had up until this moment. But once you beat through, beat those and get through his shell, you get deep, deep, deep into that shell and find... I, like you I walk around a little bit in that show. Yeah, it's almost like there's a, a mini dungeon. Point. Yeah, there's it's a like, save it's point. Like, it's like a one map thing, but it, the implication is that like you are walking. It's kind of like being in Sin in Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Like you're in a different location now that you're in his shell. Right. And what's really interesting is you get there and you fight or you come into contact with what I can only describe as like Frieza form two mixed with Gui from Dragon Ball Z. All right, we're, I, back, we're back to these metaphors. A lot of, lot, of, <laughs> <laughs> lot of Dragon Ball references in this episode. It's a, it's a curatorium. It looks, I know, it looks like a big humanoid, definitely humanoid alien hooked up through like biological cords yes. connecting and off with, screen. With yes. like a xenomorph head. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, and xenomorph is definitely something, the, the alien, alien from Alien. It yeah. looks like some kind of biotechnology thing like I think Lindsay when you saw it you said it looks like a xenomorph alien or maybe like the observer yes. from alien yeah uh controlling a ship through and these it has tubes. organic tubes coming out of its body that connect yeah. with the ship and it has assume. two eyes so it's like kind of a twist because this is definitely a humanoid-esque thing that you're yes. looking at and like and although it does have these bat wings too. So it it doesn't look quite human, but more human yes. than the outside. And I think it's distinctly alien mm-hmm. as well. And you defeat that and you think, whoa, this must have been the real last boss. No, now you're in some kind of time warp. <laughs> some kind of time area, like blue light <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Where are we? I don't think. Where are we would accurately describe it. When, when are where, we? Where? What are we? And you Why see three figures appear in the center of the screen. A chicken man. Some <laughs> kind of... I can. I don't know how to describe this. You really have to look this up yourself. It looks like a humanoid chicken with chicken feet and f- almost wing-like hands with a spacesuit on with a glass shield over its face. And it's accompanied by two little parasite-looking helpers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another kind of mislead here. <laughs> because during this fight, you will learn eventually, 
as you do, like a lot of fights in Chrono Trigger are you like puzzles. The big, yeah, and you kill the big bad, and it's over most of the time. Well, what I mean is no, like, you mean what kind of move to use on what part of the enemy? Yeah, and like usually there is a main enemy and two bits like helpers, and then you will realize through the course of this fight that the main enemy is actually the little slug thing on the right, and not the humanoid thing. What does that mean? I I kind of think it's another mislead where it makes you think, oh, maybe Lavos is some kind of fundamentally humanoid figure, but no, it really is like a parasite at its center. And it is an animal. I, I think that that's really important for the story because mm-hmm. one of the lines you get after you beat this fight is Maga saying, yeah, uh, Lavos is... The, re- the reason we all are here is because of Lavos, Lavos guided evolution. So yeah. my thought... Luca says it too. Yeah, I, well, I didn't have Luca in my party. I had <laughs> Obviously. the better mm-hmm. Magus. But, but it's worth pointing out that like characters who are very smart all say like this thing is guiding our evolution. Right. And I think it's important that that little parasite sluggy one is the main boss and the weird not quite anything kind of disconcerting chicken man the chicken man the disconcerting yeah. one um that's just is, like a thing well, grow out of instinct I well that's like. the thing is i think that I lavos arrived on this planet saw reptites and oh. humans and was like you know what i'm going to try and create something so you're like saying that. like the so, inside of lavos was changing in response to i that's what i think i uh, here's my theory building on the concept that it's a parasite. Yeah. That this is a small parasite that has latched onto something else that latched onto something else, like Russian doll style, that it as a parasite has like latched onto things to create layers for itself as it's consuming. So you think these were originally different organisms? Yes. That la- but here's the crazy thing. Lavos, we, we find out through the course of this game that Death's Peak in the future is the corpse oh, of Lavos. Spawn. Yeah. And its spawn have the same outer shell. So like I don't know what that's about. So let's put a pin on what the hell Lavos <laughs> is and let's get to the endings. Yes, yeah. So you defeat Lavos and I let's talk about like the main ending. Right? So what happens in the main ending? Is where you have Chrono? Is the main one where we restore yeah. Chrono? Yeah, where Chrono, Chrono is alive. So there's two versions of that one. Mm-hmm. There's the one where you go into the bucket. You don't crash your ship. Yeah. So you still have a time travel ship. It comes back. Like, Chrono wakes up in his own time, in his own bed, and is like, come with me. And he's maybe under arrest for Marl-related things yeah. again. One last little twist. I, I don't know. We haven't done that enough. And then uh-huh. Marl's like, nope, everything's cool. And then they go to the fair. Well, well the also, surprise is like the people from the different time periods came to surprise you and yeah. thank yeah. you for your help. <laughs> and Luca brought them all here with a star wand. I don't know what that was. It was weird. That's she, the time. That's the gate key. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. the thing she uses to use the time gates. I think that was the first time I remember seeing it. So yeah. <laughs> she, she shows it to you at the very beginning to explain why she could come through the time machine and then they just don't show it to you after that. So all the characters basically vouch for you. They're like, yeah. no, actually, he saved all of time. So you're welcome. Yeah. And then they go back to their time, I assume. So you that happens. You go to the Millennial Fair and then you all go up to Lucas Teleporter because you know, like, it's time to say goodbye. And um, they kind of discuss the fact that, like, you know, people from the future came and they shouldn't be able to. They shouldn't yeah. exist anymore. And... I think the implication here is that Chrono Trigger follows like Back to the Future-esque rules where not only is it one timeline, but for a dramatic effect, time yes. fixes itself very slowly. Yeah. Very so, lazily. Yes. It's like, so, oh, well, you already exist, so I'm not going to change it too much. You can just get thrust back there and, you know. Yeah, like Robo, like there's implication that Robo still being here 
doesn't mean that Robo exists. I mean, he might start to disappear soon. Yes. And uh, you watch all of the characters go back to their respective periods. And this is where the two endings branch. Yes. So if you did the, let's do the not the epoch ending first. So if, if you, you crash the epoch. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you crash the ship, you, uh, everybody's like, well, that's it for time travel. Yeah. And say goodbye to say everybody. Bye-bye. And Chrono and Marl and Luca go out to the square and the king is there. He says, I am putting this new bell here. It's no longer going to be Lean Square or Lean's Bell. It's going to be Nadia's Bell for you, Marl. And there's a lot Marl, of names shows there. Shows Marl that he cares. Yes. And Marl puts the uh, bell in place. Wait, there's, importantly, there's, there's, there's the bell. The, the bell is brought <laughs> not, in. Not ropes and pulleys. The bell is brought <laughs> in on like upstyle balloons. Yeah, like a bouquet and, of balloons. And you're kind of just pushing them over and she pushes them, lifts it up and latches it in place. And as she finishes and removes the balloons, she gets pulled up into the sky a yeah. little bit. She kills onto the balloons a little too long, then she's which stuck. makes it so that she's like, I don't want to drop down from here. I guess. I would rather have dropped down like 10 feet. She's like, oh no, the problem's getting worse and worse with every <laughs> yes. and, and then Chrono. Chrono climbs up on the bell, which means that like, she's not too far up. Yeah. Like she could have handled that yeah. ball. And then he jumps off and latches onto her. And I somehow imagine that they've... he's trying to like pull her down with his weight. Yeah. But if this thing could yes. carry a giant ass bell. That's a good point. Like, yeah. well, I mean, Chrono's a dummy. Chrono's like, oh, I should have brought my equipment with me. Meanwhile, Luca definitely has a gun on her and is like, I'm going to see how this plays out. Luca's pantomiming helping, but she's like, oh, you go, Crodo. Yes. I got you. <laughs> yeah, then, like, coming full circle with the Aladdin reference, cut to a whole new world. Yeah. Where we just see Crono holding the balloons and also holding Marl wow. now. Wind blowing their hair oh, romantically. Yeah. They just, like, float around the world map, and there are fireworks, and they're just taking it all in. And they yeah. never were seen again. <laughs> <laughs> now. The end. Is this, on its own, I'm like, this is a weird ending. But the, like, what was it? The DS version? Which one added the anime cutscenes? Oh yeah, the PlayStation re okay. re-release added an anime cutscene where it shows that yes, they did survive. Yes, and, and they get they, married. They become the new king and queen. Yeah. So that one, I mean, I guess I think we can assume that that's canon. Is I think that is like the quote-unquote main ending. Yes. Then oh. there's the second ending where you don't crash the epoch in. And same thing happens. Same. Everybody says their goodbyes. The time portal's still open. And your mom and your cat <laughs> run up to you. And she's like, Crono, you've been gone so long. Why, Why don't you feed your voice? cat? <laughs> Wait, everything has to stop for that voice. I don't think so. So <laughs> she's like, you never fed your cat. You gotta feed it. And now it's unruly. And the oh, cat jumps Lord. through the time portal. And then your mom falls through the time portal. And the time portal closes. And everybody's like, oh, no. And Chrono does a fist pump and goes, yeah. <laughs> to the camera. Like, yeah. faces camera. It's like victorious fourth, fist bump. Fourth like, wall breaking. Like, 90 sitcom kind of look at the camera, jump in the air. Like, ah. And I, I feel like this is, I feel like this is the moment that clinches that. Chrono is kind of a good-for-nothing, flighty kid who just... He is your avatar because all he wants in his life is to have an adventure. Yeah. And his mom going away for good, he's like, no rules for me. No, I don't even think it's that. He's like, yes, 
Luke is going to let us time travel. Oh, okay. yeah, that, that was my takeaway from it. But I, I, again, I feel like. Well, no, they don't remember they have a time machine yet. That's brought up after he's fist pumping. Oh, I think he knows. I think he knows. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's like, another. oh, so you're reading it as he's like another, another adventure. adventure. Yeah. yeah. I think he's dumb, but Reasonable. not that dumb. Chrono's like, or just sequel a bad boy. <laughs> he just wants adventure, whether yes. it's for good or for bad. He's not like a bad kid, but he is definitely an irresponsible kid who just, his number one goal in life, like me at the time playing the game, is to be the main character of an RPG. Do you think that made it easier for Why him? Why is that not what you want now still? <laughs> That's fair. Do, like, you, do you think that made it easier for him to sacrifice himself earlier in the game? I think so. He's like, I'm not really invested in a lot other than being the hero. It's like when you're yeah. in a D&D campaign and you're like, I'm kind of done with this. I'm going to go out in style. I, I think... Unlike like God, the other like, characters. What is Lavos? What I don't care about this. Yes. Like, I'm done. But He's like Lavos seems like a thing we could fight. <laughs> and like I remember this is a kid who's a swordsman in 1000 AD where there's not really any violence happening. Right. So he's like fant I think he's Always fantasizing about this. Yeah. So they do this ending closes with them jumping in the time machine. Yeah. Do we still see the balloons in the bell in this one? Um yes, they but- ask them to put the balloons up and they say no and again their time machine. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Because, boy, they want that balloon asset to get used in every ending, whether we need it or not. What's interesting is in both of these endings, if you chose to kill Magus or not, you get a slightly different uh, choices. And that's made especially clear if you didn't save Chrono, which creates um, a couple more endings, which are mostly the same, except for... You know, you go back to the past and well, you go back to the present. Here's what it is. Everything ends and Marl's like, all right, guys, are we going to save Chrono? And everyone's kind of like, mm, I kind of want to go home. And she's like, but I, you're not going to help me? Like, I kind of like, like. I feel like it reveals like she's the only one who, she and Luca are the only people who really no. have a big Luca, connection. Luca Chrono. has no connection. She is not <laughs> invested in Chrono well, at all. In this she's ending, like, no. I she, think Luca's she, going through some shit. Because yeah. she says, like, I've been thinking about death. I'm starting to think, like, about mortality and, like, is there really a meaning to all of this? Hey, we're all going to die one day, Marl. And then she just leaves her on that. Yes. And Marl's like, yeah, but we could, we have, like, the power of time travel, so we could save him. Yeah. And as she's saying that, uh, a time portal opens up and Gaspar is like, you never use the stupid egg, you idiot, <laughs> yeah. so you're not going to get it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like a comedic Even piece. before that, like, and- they all leave and it cuts to him and he's like... Oh, there's this time egg to say, oh, bye. Yeah, because he's asleep. It's implied. I thought it was implied that they left so quickly. They didn't even take like a minute to ask the time lord. Hey, could we do anything about Chrono? Well, I I honestly think all the other kids were like, we did it. I'm going back. Kino's waiting for me. Yes. Yes. What's important here is that if you had killed Magus, at this point, when all the characters jump out into your time again, mm-hmm. Frog is... Because they're saying, like, surprise, we actually can go get... Yeah. Back. yeah. The weirdest thing is the next scene is everyone pops into your time because you are Marl. Yeah. And they're like, plot twist, uh, we are more invested in getting Chrono yeah. back than we let on two minutes I, ago. I think the implication Thanks, Luca. is they went back, took care of business, and then Luca went and found them and was like, can you, like, come help yes. with this? Yes. I know you want to go on an adventure. And I, I love it here because if you have Magus for this time period, he's there, but he's just still like a grump about everything. I like that he yes. came back. Yeah, he stands funny. apart from everyone. And Unless you killed him. But if you killed him, then a really handsome guy just <laughs> yeah. pops through. And, every, and like, Marl and Luca are, look at him and say, who's that hot stuff? Yeah. And Luca is drooling. Yes. Yes. And it is Glenn. 
It's Glenn. Turned back to normal. Frog. Yeah. He's green hair. He who... turns back to who he would have been the whole time as right. an adult. Yes. Not to a He's kid, a thankfully. <laughs> yes. Hot which dude. makes me feel I'm... extra. Like, now, then it comes full circle. I'm like, oh, should I have killed Magus? Yeah. Like, I like, I really like that they force you to make that choice. Like, you don't get to have it both ways. Yes. You can't max out your relationship with both and win, you know what I mean? And, and it's funny because if Magus joins you, theoretically, it would be believable to have it both ways. Yeah. But they made that firm choice like, no, you chose Magus over helping Frog. I somewhere. love what it says about Magus where he spends a long time traveling with this guy and working yeah. on things with this guy. That he maliciously cursed. Yes. yes. And he's like. Yeah, I stand by that decision. Which, at the end of the day, I feel like that's like, saying... I gained nothing. You gained nothing. You learned nothing. You didn't grow as a person. <laughs> you cheated yourself and the game, Magus. That's what's interesting about Magus, is that Magus looks like a Piccolo-esque character or Vegeta-esque character. He's not. He no. doesn't get rehabilitated. At no. the end of the day, there's a reason why he's still the Demon Lord. I think it is. I think he needs, I think he needs less rehabilitation, though. Mm -hmm. Like... I don't think he's an evil character. I think he's just mired in self-interest. Yeah, he's just like a dick. Yeah. But he doesn't get like, it doesn't say like he's a dick, but he's a softy. Yeah. Oh, that came out wrong. <laughs> 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 and that's another metaphor. <laughs> no, I um, don't think so. I think that was, that that's was a good a, metaphor. A good yeah, metaphor. Yeah. But uh, the game is, in, is, is saying like, he's a dick. But he is the dick that you need right. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, he's he's the bad guy that you need right now. Yes, and not really much more than. I that. don't even know if they like. I think the twist is well, he's not like the villain. He's just a guy. He has the same interest as you in killing this. He's the same ultimate interest. Yeah, and nothing else. Yeah, it's not that he's a bad guy. He's just like not a nice guy. I'm gonna he's do a this rude guy. I'm gonna do this in my own way, and if that means. Essentially destroying all of human civilization, so be it. Because yeah. I only care about me. Well, here's the funny thing. That ending with Marl, like Chrono not coming back, implies that Magus is like, you know, I feel a little bit of something for Chrono. I'll help you get him back. Why not? And so Frog's like, what about me? A dick, but he yes. is. Nah, <laughs> still not that important. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you didn't sacrifice yourself at that moment, Frog, so. Yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. Magus and Frog are like, one day we'll have our duel. Speaking of which. Which is one of the one coolest of endings. The Wait, we have to finish this ending. Because uh, the most messed up part is Marl oh, has oh, begged okay. everyone to help her get Krana. They're like, no. Then they change their mind. They're like, okay. And Marl's like, awesome, let's go. And Luca's like, uh, why don't you stay and talk to your dad? We'll go take care of this. Yeah, Back in the gym. Her. <laughs> yes. And poor Marl, the only one who wanted this to happen, is the only one left out of saving Chrono. Yeah. And she puts the bell up. She floats away on the balloons. And then in a very abstract twist. Lands on a mountaintop that looks like the spot where you resurrect Chrono. Yes. In the I future? Think it is. Yes. And she looks up and there's a silhouette in the sky of Chrono and she starts running towards it. Don't know what it means. It's a little sad because the whole credits roll while she just sits there alone. It's only when the credits are finished. While she sits there alone next to a dead tree. Yeah. And then when those credits are done, finally you see that silhouette. Yeah, I don't know. Her. I think that means that everybody died on the mission and she's left alone to chase after her own Ooh. want. I'm just, I'm just messing with y'all. No, I don't. I mean, who I'll knows what that means? Yeah. It could mean anything. But speaking of the circling back to duels and Frog maybe and ambiguous endings. 
Oh, yeah. So, okay. So there are 13 endings. We cannot cover all of them. Suffice <laughs> to say that like... Also, I don't want to cover like three of them. They suck. Each ending is basically saying, how would the plot and the world be affected if Lavos disappeared at this point in the mm-hmm. game's plot? And some of them are very like involved. We won't get into those. One that I think we do need to bring up is, what if you get all the things Frog needs to kill Magus... And then you say, sorry, Frog, let's go kill Lavos now instead. And then you don't kill Magus. But also Magus has not joined your party. And he has not joined your party. Which, he like, that wouldn't even be an option at this point right. in the game. And so you go and defeat Lavos. You do the, like, you go and hang out at Luca's house. It's like you and, so it's Chrono, it's Luca, Frog. it's yeah. Robo, and uh, Marl. And, you know, Chrono's fallen asleep. He's asleep in a corner and... Luca is working on Robo, taking off all of his weapons. Yeah. Marl's making tea, and Frog is kind of glum. And they're like, yeah. come on, Frog, don't be yeah. so down. They don't even know why he's glum. That's I the know. fuck that Don't part. be so down, Frog. That whole atmosphere is like, we did it. There's nothing, literally nothing left to do, <laughs> and he, Frog, he le- so shut up. <laughs> and he starts leaving. And they're like, where are you going? He's like, I have shit to do. And then on his way out, he trips, and everybody laughs at him. And, <laughs> and the laughing and the laughing causes Chrono to wake up, but he just looks around like, what's going on? And then Chrono's like, adventure? <laughs> and no? Okay. Frog. And you, I like the idea that Chrono's asleep anytime no one has a quest for flash, him. Yeah. Flash Chrono's asleep anytime anyone's talking about anything that's not related to an adventure. Flash forward. Uh, Frog is outside of Magus's castle. You don't know it's Frog, but you just, you're outside of Magus's castle. Silhouette, you yeah. see each of the bosses that you fought on your way to Magus, and he's like, you think you can beat me? Then it's another guy saying, like, huh, you're not powerful enough. One man can't beat me. Yeah, one man. But one frog can. <laughs> and then it gets to, like, Ozzy, and the next one, and then it's Magus. Oh, it actually shows him killing Ozzy. Yes. Which was cool. And in, in like one one what? swing, oh, yeah. yeah. Frog's gotten he's leveled up, right? I mean, you just beat Lavos yeah. like the the end of time. I like so. the idea that he's like, I don't need your guys' help anyway. <laughs> I gained ten levels, so <laughs> <laughs> so he he ends up going and meeting Magus as he's about to summon Lavos, or thinking that he's going to summon Lavos at that moment, and. They have the like Iajutsu duel types thing where they jump through each other. They jump at each other, and then you hear the ching. Like you do actually, yeah. While the credits roll, you hear sound effects of them fighting. Yeah, so it cuts it cuts away from them and back to the outside of the castle. Yeah, and you just hear kind of the metallic sound effect and almost like. And what the finality of sound, you know, you're like, someone has obviously been yeah, you, playing. You hear the sound effects while the credits are rolling, and then you hear a thunk, like, like metal on flesh. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the Which castle. could be either, because Magus has a scythe. Yes. And yeah. he has a sword. And you see, after that sound effect, where you, you're not sure what happened, you're like, oh, they're going to cut back and show you, like, someone is dead and someone is alive. They just show you a silhouette standing on top of the castle, and it's unclear if it's frog. Cape billowing, weird head shape. Yeah. Yeah. It could well, be that one. could be anybody. I think it's frog, but it really, yeah, you could read it either. You way. guys, I am not as sold as you guys are that that looks like, first of all, it wouldn't, he wouldn't be a frog if he so had defeated, round. if he had defeated Magus, he would be in his human form. That's a good point. So you're like, but it takes a while understand. for the spell to end. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, Lindsay, yeah remember how long it took yeah. for Marl to disappear and say Think about how many hours you Listen. played the game for between killing Magus and, and the ending. What matters, well, it's because time was in flux, Chris. Now time is settled again. I just think that you can't say, yeah, it's a frog head up there. 
Because I don't even think it looks like a frog head. Listen, I know that we've been arguing about this for 20 years, but I'm here mm-hmm. to say that, um, yeah, it's just frog. I think it's Magus. <laughs> I think how it's would, Prano. How would he frog? He frog how and is like, I'm uh, here for adventure. And he got a cloak. Well, yeah, he's like, uh, they're all wearing cloaks. I guess that means I have Meanwhile, to. back in Kronos times, mom is like, what happened to my son? <laughs> he just left the clone I, there in his bed. I think that it's Magus because I can't see frog like standing so delicately on that tower. I don't think they. Oh, you think it's like too cool? Yeah, yeah too I will cool say like because Magus can fly. So he obviously got up That's there. true. But you do learn in one of the endings where you just see him floating above mountains and then right. he just like takes off like Superman. You're like, right. why have you been hiding this from me this whole no, he, time? He flies on I the map. I know, but like. Magus, you should have been our airship. Yeah. Right? Everybody on his back. He's like, no, that's too much, man. We did read a, like an interview with the creator of the game who said that was like his pet favorite ending. And mm-hmm. he too was like, I like that it's ambiguous. I think yeah. he, oh, one I don't of the even directors, think, yeah. yeah, I don't even think he has a decision on who won that. Even game. he thinks it's ambiguous. Yes. Yeah. One he, o- he wants the Schrodinger's cat situation. One other thing uh, that I'd like to talk about, about the endings, because I don't think we're going to go into any of the other. No, nah, that's Yeah. But I think we things need to like know this, that there's one where Marl becomes part frog. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, that's what I'm, I'm going to talk about. Um, one of the endings, if you decide to beat Lavos before he essentially destroys all of reptite civilization. Oh, yeah, yeah. You go, you win and you wake up in bed and everybody in your society is a reptite. You're a reptite. Like your mom's a reptite. Because the king yeah. and queen no, is a reptite. Which, I don't know how time rules work. Like, so, why are yeah, you still you? That's weird because how, like, if you kill Lavos in 1999, that shouldn't technically affect him coming to Earth. Well, technically in any of the timelines, it shouldn't affect anything. Yes. But... It does make sense in the other endings because you left those time periods in a certain state. Yes. So that makes sense. This is the only one where it's like killing Lavos in 1999 pulls him out of the sky in 65 million BC, which means the reptites do defeat the humans. So it implies that like Lavos is like outside of time and he's erased from all times. So, okay. So what you're saying is he is a fourth dimensional being maybe. He's like a, and by killing him and killing him at any point. Arrival is what I think. Arrival. Yes. Killing him at any point That's kills him. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know what I was trying to say? Interstellar, because that was also about yes, fourth dimensional, fourth dimensional aliens. Interstellar. Yeah. I think it was actually fifth dimensional. Oh, okay, sure. Great. Sure. I think it was sixth dimensional. No, no, no. That's too many. I think they were Lavos. <laughs> But writing on the wall. But that's so cool. So cool, right? Because that's the game, like acknowledging if you use time travel to stop the, like cut the plot off right here, these would be the logical. Well, it's not logical. Semi logical. Because you would not be you. Like the idea. Oh, wait. Oh, that's the part that Lindsay. Yes. The uh, idea that dinosaurs would continue like procreating <laughs> well, yeah. and technology would progress exactly the same. And you are in the same house. And yeah, you're in the your same mom. house with your same mother and somehow you're still reptites. Chrono, but your entire lineage is you're entirely still named different. Yeah. You're still so, named Buttface. Yeah. There's a lot of like <laughs> leaps there that I'm like, guys, this I is I like that that's ending. your problem no, with my, it. Yes. For me, I'm like, in video game world, this is like a mind-blowing piece of continuity, but it like yeah. it does require a lot of Chrono would never have existed. My here's it's my a time problem. paradox. Here's my problem. A time paradox. What's We're your saying problem with? that you know? Oh, in the past we advanced it enough for him to have already killed the reptites, uh-huh. and then that's when we kill him, and that's when we all if we yeah. do if we do it before he kills all the reptites. You know, we don't become we all become yeah. reptites. If we do it after, we don't become reptites. My problem is, 
if you kill him in the future, that would have eliminated him from ever existing, which means we should all become reptites. Well, that's what the ending is saying, right? No, no, no. I'm saying any ending. Oh, yeah. It's it's very, very strange. Like, the, that ending operates on subtly different logic, even from, like, a time travel perspective. Yes. But I don't think we have time to dwell on trying to figure that one out. <laughs> it's just fun to yes, bring up. I'm fine with letting the time travel rules go. I get it. Like, this game doesn't... It's a it's like Marvel, Marvel time travel rules yes. from Endgame. This game, like, <laughs> explicitly just says... Have fun with time travel. Yeah. And it, time travel is your toy. Yeah. So I'm not going to. So I think we have to talk about the two big lingering questions that everyone talks about with this game. Magus is the best character. Yes. The first thing I think <laughs> we should ask is what the fuck is Lavos? Okay. What, is, what do you guys think he is? My take on him is so have you played Bloodborne? No, I'm not going to make a meta fart, but. I think that he is some sort of cosmic entity, like a Cthulhu Lovecraftian horror type thing that exists so far beyond our own comprehension that he drives us all insane. No, I'm just kidding about that last part. But so you think I do in think that, that way he taps into extra dimensional, fourth dimension kind of stuff? Yeah, I think that he... Fifth? Whatever dimension. Uh, yeah. Some of, the, some of the things we associate with like Lovecraftian monsters are definitely present with Lavos. Yeah. And I think the fact that he exists across time, like continuously is a weird thing about him. Yeah. But the fact that he isn't portrayed in the same way as other JRPGs or RPGs at the time portray their final bosses, that it's not angelic. It's not demonic. It is. Yeah. Other. Other. And it is the other that is so it's, hard to it's comprehend. Like it, it, it's inviting you to... F- the characters are actively trying to find logic in Lavos. And Lavos seems to defy that in most ways. And I think it taps into the concept of like existential dread. Like All of these characters are dealing with the concept of purpose. And we say Chrono is the default protagonist because his pro- purpose seems to be adventure and fighting yeah. stuff. So this idea that, well, maybe this great horror, like horrific being is linked to a purpose, has some reason, gives us purpose. And like the crux of the game is maybe it doesn't. And you just have to accept that and move on. I I like that. I think that you're kind of getting into the second question people ask. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's worth saying that some people think Lavos has like a human-esque personality and, and well, what was, he's what's like your judging. Answer? I think Lavos has is totally amoral and apathetic to humanity. I, I tend to agree. Yeah, I like I think his actions on Earth, like the fact that like the core of Lavos is this animal, like this insect, not even insect, like a slug, basically. Like I think that all of the things Lavos creates that we recognize as humans is basically him adapting to his environment. But at his core, I think Lavos just wants to eat, mm-hmm. fuck, and then make babies and die. I think too that the way I don't he, think anybody wants to die. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the way that he enters the world parallels a very real fear that people deal with, and that's how one random event can destroy your life. Yeah. So in the case of Lavos, it's like a meteor, and it does wipe out the dinosaurs, just like you know, yeah. or the, whatever they're called in this game. Like Lavos could have landed on any planet; he just happened to land on Earth yes. in that spot. And, and it's scary Lavos. because it's so out of your control and beyond your control. Yeah. 
And I the game that- does explicitly say that, like, all of human existence, like, we can clearly see that, at least literally, even if the characters don't believe figuratively this is why, they know that literally... That is the chain of events that causes human evolution, all of human technology. Well, I think, so the the happenstance of Lavos crashing into Earth is mirrored in the same, in the very beginning of the game where Chrono bumps into oh. Marl. Yeah. And actually, that's something that. yeah. that's something that the game doesn't really like emphasize much, but it's Lavos crashes into the world, ends up destroying it, but first killing all of those. Yeah. Marl bumps into you and that Which is no one an, questions. That is an unforeseen yeah. event yeah. for Lavos. It seems like he has his hand in everything, but he doesn't expect one person bumping into another one another to stop yeah. him from, you know, and, gestating and like, you or becoming he has an his entire hand world. In everything. So do you think he is an active agent like I think, guiding things? I think he is guiding evolution to what he wants. He wants to be able to, you know, take over the world one of the robots in the genocide dome or you somewhere in the future you learn that lavos is going to destroy the world but there Mm -hmm. is a purpose for lavos in that and that he'll move on to another planet and do the same thing various characters do say that humanity developing in this way is an effective farm for lavos because the more energy that humanity can create and the more it progresses the better Lavos is feeding on them right. so that he can create his babies. I don't know if I think it's a it's sentient thing, It's hard to say if that's important thing, or though. intentional. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's a sentient thing, like he's making any moral decisions or like, or if he's, he's like a, a highly intelligent yeah. being. Yes. I think it's more like he's just so powerful as a being compared to Earth that him doing these natural instinctive things yes. happens to mold humanity. Just like... Yeah. like um, Darwinism, right? Like natural selection. Yeah, natural selection. Like he is just evolving in a way and shaping the things around him. Yeah, to help him be better. Through countless incarnations of Lavos, eventually we arrived at this slug that incidentally creates incredibly complex civilizations just as a matter of it being alive. Yes, and I think the cosmic horror of Chrono Trigger is kind of implying that. The characters are dealing with the idea that maybe everything we have is attributed to this simple act of nature that has just spiraled into something very complex. This accident. I mean, that's almost like comparing it to like the Big Bang, that like everything exists because of one weird happenstance kind of event. Now, before we transition into the obvious next question about the entity, I do want to point out, like, just to kind of give the other side of that. The the fans who are listening and they're like, "Um, (laughs) they're really focusing on one niche, like, representation. Uh, I think, you know, I do think a lot of people probably do just see him as a parasite and an animal. But some people do, like, uh, a friend of mine, Eric Tarnish, would propose that, like, Lavos could be read, even from the character's perspective, maybe, as some kind of judgmental being, because he does end civilizations that we find out are kind of messed up at their core to some degree. Like, we see it's really bad that, like, the Earth is destroyed in 2300, but we also then are introduced to these signs that, like, society was very inequitable, and, like, these people who are living off of Enertrons, maybe they were living off of Enertrons even before that. Yeah. So all I'm saying is you, there are like, to put it differently, Chrono Trigger does this thing very often where it gives you a question. It gives you a lot of evidence to show an obvious answer to that question. And then puts a little seed of doubt in you. Yes. Like, like when you see all these humanoid things about Lavos and then you just see like the last bit of him is an, like this animal-like thing. 
I think this is one of those elements where there's just enough of a hint of Lavos doing something that's like, can that really be a coincidence? Yeah. Um, to sow that doubt. It's not the reading that I have, but I can see how people I agree. Get that this reading. is definitely one where I'm like, oh, there's obviously a conversation to be had mm-hmm. here. So let's talk real quick about the entity and... And that's the entity that Robo was referencing in the forest, yeah. saying that there's something that is opening these time portals at these locations or times to uh, guide us and get us to where we want to go. Yeah. And I and I think, um, I, let me right off the bat give what I think is probably the fan favorite answer, which is different from mine. Is it that I think it's the different from all of entity <laughs> yeah. is uh, Squaresoft? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the fan favorite answer, which does have some support in the text, uh, is that the Earth is the entity and that these time periods are, except for 1000 AD, are time periods where the Earth experiences some kind of trauma, usually inflicted by Lavos, but sometimes possibly inflicted by humanity. And these create strong memories or perhaps even dreams that it is leading the players to. And to give you some support for that, there are a lot of points in the game where the characters don't personify the Earth like they do in something like Final Fantasy VII, but they do talk about how ultimately this is a battle between Lavos and what Lavos is leeching off of, which is literally the Earth, but also its inhabitants. And the final chapter of the game is called, or in Japanese, is called The End of the Earth's Dream. And then one last bit of text that might change some people's minds on that is um, in Japan, they have these things called the Ultimania Guides. And often they're not like strictly canonical sources of information, but often they have a little bit of text from the developers or something that like guide you Mm -hmm. to resolve some ambiguities in the game. So I wouldn't call this like a firm thing to, to... to follow, but the guide opens with a passage that talks about the planet being ill and Lavos making it sick and like very strongly personifying the planet, which should lend a little bit more credence to the fan theory that environmentalism earth that's having a dream essentially. Several of the credits also end with a shot of the earth. Like yeah. go back to, and I say that like this isn't my personal theory, but right. like obviously there's a lot. It's worth acknowledging. To pull from for it. Yeah, and yeah. like certain, and like if the chapter, if the last chapter is called the end of the Earth's dream, you could read this entire game as essentially the Earth having a dream about how its illness was solved, or something like. I guess that. I don't love that, but I get it. I and it, it is, I this, see, the I think of it is kind of abandoned, I think. I would think of it as the earth's dream is like it's creatures mm-hmm. and that it's, they're trying to defend the dream and keep the dream alive. Mm-hmm. That the dream is something that is good and you want to keep going. So by yeah. saving the earth and saving themselves and humanity, they're keeping the earth's dream alive. So my own interpretation, I don't know if this is common or of the entity? discussed of the entity, is that the earth is the entity. However, <laughs> no, I know. I know. That's what we just said. I don't know Here's if my hot nor discussed. You just got to let me finish. Okay. Because the earth is also an eldritch Beer. No, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> I was going to say that as a joke and say Sterling's going to say Earth is an eldritch being. No, it you is. You can't actually say that. No, because dreams are all like very Lovecraftian. They, they, the, the, I mean, that's fair. Like, and the that fact describe that, the so you basically agree with this theory, but add on the yes. fact that Earth is an eldritch whore. 
Yep. And we all live on its eldritch, terrible back. Okay. <laughs> well, wait, there was a th- right. another theory that you guys had I wanted to get this to. This was to. mine. Yeah, what was, what I, was that one? So as a, a frequent comic book reader and reader of all things time travel shenanigans, the thing that's not convincing for me about the Earth one is that it seems it needs to be these people. So it's not really that there was something traumatic that happened to the Earth in all these time periods, because obviously something traumatic has happened to the Earth across many more time periods. And I'm not sold that like Robo's time period has any sort of traumatic experience with Lavos or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a consistent enough theory. Yeah. So the thing for me is that it's an inevitability that these people have to face off with Lavos so that they have some connection to time. It's like a destiny thing. Like they have these portals in their times because they are the people who must do this. The fact that any time paradox was created ever creates an inevitability that they will be connected to this and to the portals. And they were chosen by the Eldritch no. being Earth. Oh, so, so in a sense, they are all their own <laughs> entities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because of time paradoxes. Right. Which I think is kind of cool too. And I think they each have their own call to adventure with that and their own thing that they can bring to it. And I think that links in. Do you think that the like the recurring motif of dreams plays into it at all? I don't know. Maybe a little. I think maybe the other thing I would want to say about that is I think that's also a poetic answer to their question, like the existential question. Yeah. Where they're like, Robo tries to find, well, what is my purpose? What is calling me? And if the answer is, oh, Earth there's a God and it's earth, it's Gaia. That's different than saying, well, there's this inevitability that you were the right person to be there. And I think that- Robo's not a person. Oh Oh, boy. I think that gives, makes the answer agency. Okay. Like the entity is agency and you are a part of this and it is something intrinsic about you, not something intrinsic about Okay. So in other words, the entity is the very concept of having a choice. Yes. And like having any kind of impact yes. on the world. I think that the the ultimate, and there are two answers to go when facing existential dread and the reality that sometimes randomness has a terribly huge impact on you. And the two solutions are, well, there is a greater good and a greater purpose. And like, you know, often religion fills that mold. Versus what, nihilism? No, nihilism is where you start. These are oh. answers to nihilism. Oh, I see. Okay. And the other one is that there's value in agency, that you can shape your own destiny in response to the randomness that happens around you. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So th- so you're saying those are kind of like, when you start with this nihilistic question of what is what is the point of being alive, right. it takes you in probably one yes. of these two paths. And I think when they face the concept of lavas, they're facing the concept of nihilism, like that reality I that... Like that stuff is beyond their control. I think that is similar to my take on what yeah. the entity is, which is also my thesis on what the game is about. Okay. All which right. Is, you know, we talk about how it's so funny how Chrono just seems to only care about being on an adventure, right? I think Chrono is an effective avatar for the player because he is a person who does not want to think about any of these questions other than how is it going to get me to an exciting thing? How am I going to have a lighthearted adventure with some friends, fight some monsters? And I think it says a lot that when the one dream we actually see in the game is, I think, a nightmare. I think it's mm. Chrono seeing himself waking up one day in the future. He's married to Marl. He doesn't have a job because he's kind of a good-for-nothing like layabout. And they're just mooching off of her dad. And... I think that the game is trying to tell you that, like, it's aware that this game is modeled like a cartoon. It's aware that, 
this is a very lighthearted plot that you don't have to think too hard about. But like any good media pointed at children, it gives you a brief glimpse into the abyss. And the abyss is questions you don't really feel comfortable answering. And so I think what's happening in that entity scene is Robo, who has spent 400 years thinking about existence, has reached very abstract thought. Like that's where his AI has taken him. And he has become more human because now he's asking questions that aren't related to the immediate moment or like accomplishing something. Right. Oh, like a malfunctioning robot. <laughs> <laughs> he's asking questions that I think humans realize is like there there's not it's not going to lead to a satisfying answer a lot of the time, but one day you will ask it, which is why am I here? Right? Yeah. And I think that it doesn't I think the point of that scene is not to have the player is not to give the player the challenge of solving the puzzle of who is the entity. I think that scene is showing you these kids who are normally in a Saturday morning cartoon suddenly being having a moment to think and being like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? What is the point of this? Is there any kind of greater like logic to our existence? Because everything we have seen so far tells us that we are a speck in the existence of a giant lace booty slug. Yes. <laughs> and a giant lace booty? A giant space, space booty, booty slug, slug. booty-faced slug yeah. alien. I and love like that. that's not a satisfying answer, right? And I feel like the whole point of them essentially independently creating their own religion or their own religious question is the fact that they're kids. And they shouldn't have to deal with this, but they've been thrust into this situation where they look at the cosmic totality of everything, seeing how small their part in it is, even though they're taking down a cosmic being and being like, there has to be something more to this. Yeah. There, can, there cannot be like this complex existence just by accident. It's kind of like they're grappling with evolution, I would right. say. And to me, there doesn't need to be an entity because that that whole scene is setting up these kids asking the question and then putting it away in their box. Yeah. And being like, I don't want to think about this. That's you know? my preferred answer. So I no, was just joking no, about the my like, You already so doubled down on I Eldritch I was making Earth. a joke. TLDR, nope. I think the entity is Lavos. And I think that's part of the horror, but also the growing up part of it is grappling with like, that answer being very unsatisfying. Yeah. I mean, satisfying to me as a player, but certainly unsatisfying to the characters in the story. Yeah, Chrono doesn't Krono. want that to be the answer. Chrono doesn't give a... There's a reason Chrono was asleep for that conversation. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't even care. Well, he's, he's, like, he's already grappled with and it like, and he's come to terms. Oh he's gosh. like, hey, you know what? I make my own decisions <laughs> in life. I he make my own purpose. died. So he's faced the and ultimate I, price already. I feel like you guys have probably figured this out, but like, you know, this is a very lighthearted game. The ending is a little vapid. It's all about like going on to the next adventure. But like, to me, that is the coolest thing that this game does is that it takes this like simple, like shonen anime plot structure and it puts it around this shell, like, or not shell, this shell. core, this like very uncomfortable core and it asks you how di how or how much do you want to dig into that core and ask yourself this uncomfortable question. Yeah. I'm not going to force you to, to. I'm going to let you decide if you want to. And I found the endings a little unsatisfying because we just come from these deep yeah. great things. And then it's like, 
Now everyone's just having fun and there are balloons. And we didn't put too much thought into some of these endings. Don't even worry about it. Marl's part well, Some of them for sure. Yes. I, I, so, it's, and it's I think like that you're like shooting through a planet mm-hmm. and like the crust of the planet <laughs> is like the plot of Chrono Trigger. Yes. And the center of it is like why Chrono Trigger? Yes. Why Lavos? And you shoot through the core and you come out the other side. Yeah. Back in the plot. And I think that speaks to what they want you to take away from how the kids respond to that question too, is by the end, they're not sitting around unpacking what just happened to them. They're like, all right, bye. I'm going to go to this fair. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It says a lot that if you leave Chrono dead, Luca actually like gets, I don't want to say she's in like depression, but she's grappling with questions she does not ask in the other end. Right. Because she's like, look, Marl, one day we're all going to die. Bye. Right. <laughs> and that's yeah. where, like, Luca ends that scene. Yes. Which does not happen otherwise. Yeah. So, I, like, I will say, I get it. I get the the plot of Chrono Trigger is very cool. The questions it brings up, very cool. I do think I missed the boat on... The spectacle of yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's true. Like, I... I definitely realized when I played it with my wife again or watched her play it, I was like, a lot of the cool things this game does are not going to have the same effect today. Right. But I'd like, I do, the reason I basically forced you guys to play it is (laughs) because I think Lavos and his connection to these characters is a thing most games still haven't really tinkered with again. Bloodborne. Bloodborne, I was just about to say. Bloodborne does it. Bloodborne. Not a lot of games do it. Yeah. Well, and it goes in like so passionately the opposite direction of other JRPGs, especially of the time, like where everyone else is like, fight God. Yeah. Here's a one winged angel. What does that mean? And and it's very romantic. Yes. Like without spoiling Final Fantasy VII, I feel like I haven't finished it. (laughs) You will end that game being like, I know what this game has to say. Okay. I know like what its argument is and what its stance on these things are. And I feel like what I did at the end was the right thing. And I I feel like some greater force, if it exists, like I know what it wants me to do. Like yes. Final Fantasy VII confirms that religion and God are real to yes. some degree. Yeah. But Chrono Trigger refuses to give you that answer. Which is cool. Yeah. I love it. Any any final thoughts on Chrono Trigger? Further reading? Time travel? Uh, yeah. Play Bloodborne. I was going to say Terminator 2. Uh, you know what? I guess I, I've never I like seen it. Cr- uh, <laughs> Chrono. I like that Sterling says Bloodborne because maybe we're the first podcast to say if you like Chrono Trigger, you might actually okay, be interested Bloodborne. in the plot of Bloodborne. I will it's say it's super good, and you know it starts off being this light and air, uh, hard, light and airy, light and airy, uh, you know, gothic horror. Yeah, that's the first. But, yes, and and then it becomes like real heavy cosmic horror, but only if you want it to be. I don't think you have a choice in that when you kill a Rom. I think um, an only if you want it to be. An interesting thought is other games that use time travel as a mechanic, and I'm not sure if I have a good uh, answer to that. I have an answer to no one's going to like. Okay. I don't think Radiant Historia is the Chrono Trigger spiritual successor people make it out to. Um, what about Chrono Cross? Isn't that a spiritual successor? You know what? Successor? Honestly, play Chrono Cross. Wow. It is a bad game. Okay. But it is such an interesting attempt at many, many all conflicting, possibly bad ideas, but interesting ideas. Huh. And... You know, I think you guys have realized by now that I really like to celebrate interesting failure. (laughs) And I think Chrono Cross is such an amazing example of that. So, like, play it. Don't think of it too hard as, like, as a Chrono Trigger sequel, even though it is, really. But, you know, it's worth a look. I know when I played this game, and this is probably just a classic Lindsay reaction to have, but I was like, I should play Dragon Age Origins again. There's just something about 
traveling to different locations and building a party from those different locations and maybe changing things about those people as you complete arcs for them. I don't know if they're the same game or if I just really like Dragon Age. I think you would be (laughs) more into Final Fantasy VI, which is very character-oriented compared to Chrono Trigger. Okay. I think you'd be into Dragon Quest XI. Oh, yeah? That's I very, played that. Also, like, by, the lighthearted adventure element of I it. I played that sure one, right? Back. That's the one I yeah. played? Okay. But it's for the you, listener. The listener. Yeah, was, no, all recommendations should be geared towards me oh, personally. Okay. Well, you know what? Here's a good one. If you like a game that's like all about the story and the gameplay is mostly there for your convenience and it's it's not supposed to be like a tough game, it's more about spectacle, Suikoden 2 is that successor to Chrono Trigger. Suikoden 2 is... An easy, very story-oriented game with lots of great characters, way more character development. Making a mark on this episode for a reference to Suikoden 2 from Chris. Oh, is oh that, yeah. Oh, does that happen every episode? a drinking episode? game. No, that's like your version of me saying Dragon Age. Dragon Age. Oh, okay. <laughs> or me saying Final Fantasy X. Sure, so, yeah. You know, listeners, I brought it up today. I, All I'm saying is if you like that Chrono Trigger is just kind of a light, easy game to get through... Uh, and you want a game that's like the PlayStation version of that and probably more convenient because that has auto play, battle and yeah, shit. you could play Chrono Trigger. <laughs> so <laughs> PlayStation. this is probably not going to be the most helpful further reading because I can't remember the title of the story, even though I think it's in a book that is somewhere near me because I brought it down the other day. But there is a science fiction short story that talks about oh, an impending... Reading. Yeah, I know, real reading. <laughs> an impending... A meteor of some sort and they're anticipating like uh, some sort of cosmic event that will cause darkness and perhaps the end of the world and it's about people living through that darkness and scientists trying to figure out what the hell is happening and everyone thinks it's the end of the world and kind of what they grapple with with that so the idea that some random cosmic thing could come close enough to the earth to throw everything off and how people respond to that. And I'm guessing there's some semi-religious questions that that maybe forces them to ask. Yeah, it doesn't go so much religious as it does what is the nature of man. Existential questions. It's like, yeah, it's a little more Lord of the Flies, spoiler gotcha. alert. But okay. I mean, it's and it's kind of like, what is the role of science? Like, what is the value of science if it can't handle this science-y problem? So I guess it loops back in like okay. that. But I'll have to figure out the name of that and keep an eye on our social media. Yeah, definitely. And I'll post about it on there. I feel like the subtitle I'm going to put for this episode is, is God real? <laughs> Can time travel explain that? <laughs> Are you there, God? It's us. Player versus plot. It's me, butt face. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like we might reference a meta fart. Yeah. Could be. Well, if you want to keep up on any of those references, meta farts or me remembering the name of a short story, you can always find us on social media at player versus plot. That's player VS plot on Instagram, Twitter, theoretically Facebook. And you can email us any thoughts. Maybe you're like really into the earth is the entity theory. Let us know. Or you're into Squaresoft is the entity. (laughs) Yeah. Which is one of the endings. What? (laughs) Oh, you know what? I remembered. It's it's the star by H.G. Wells. Wait, the short story that you were talking about? Yes. Okay. Of all like the science fiction authors to be like, I can't remember. It was just H.G. Wells. Wells. Oh, it could have been been Isaac Asimov. That's true. It could have been Philip Dick. Although funnily enough, I brought up up the time machine earlier this episode too. So I guess further reading H.G. Wells. Watch Terminator 2 and Back to the Future. I did not like the time machine book though. So don't read that. Uh, Yeah, Back to the Future. If you're like time travel shenanigans sound fun. 
Yeah. And you've never heard of Back to the Future, you're welcome. Yep. And if you watch We're any of those RPGs, things. RPGs. Oh, yeah. Just Yuji Hori. Just Google his <laughs> name. <laughs> all right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this second season of Player versus Plot. Hopefully, we could get some more seasons. I think we got some more in us. Yes. There are definitely, I believe, one or two more video games that exist. Yep. What? <laughs> when did this happen? Maybe, though, we we predicted when we would launch this season, and then the coronavirus happened. Yes. So maybe we should not predict the exact month of the launch of the next season, but, you know, stay tuned, and maybe we'll that. give you a couple extra what things. What is the, the entity way. behind the coronavirus? It's me. Is it us? Is it I Lavos? made it. <laughs> Guys, correlation does not equal causation. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. So, yeah, we'll see you next season. And in the meantime, if you have any thoughts, suggestions while we're putting that season now, yeah. together. Now's the time to give those suggestions. Uh, get me on Discord if you have to. Ooh, how do they how do they do that? Nico 10? I don't know. The, oh, shoot. You have to give a number on Discord, don't you? I don't know. I've never Discorded. I'm too old. Well, you know what? Just lady. email us. And then in the email, ask me for my <laughs> Discord tag and or on Twitter. And then I'll respond. Yeah. I love that. So you can reach us at email, playerversusplot at gmail.com. We've hit all the other social media tags. I like... I wish I had a time machine. I know. End of a season. I know. Well, I had a good time. That's what really matters. Do you think I'll make it back for season three? Did I make the cut? We'll see. Oh my God, yes. That, was, um, that sounded like a very like emphatic yes. No, I'm yeah, more I than I this that we have to judge Lindsay. Oh. Well, you know what? The vo- the users have to vote. Oh, the listeners. Wow. It's like, um, what's that reality show American with the Idol. island? Survivor. Survivor. Wait, I got the votes in right here. Yeah, this fast. Uh, you did not make it. Ooh, sorry. Well, enjoy. Nope, it. You did make it. Pulling <laughs> uh, like a Regis Philbin final question, final answer. <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Yeah, especially me, because I'll be back for next season. 